The Incomparable Number 200 June 2014 Welcome back to the Incomparable Podcast. I am your host, Jason Snell, and I am closed up in a room with people, strange people, who you may know as regular uh, people who are on the why, Incomparable Why are we all podcast. wearing these street jackets, Jason? Why are we closed up in this room? I'll tell you later. Oh, I'll explain boy. later. Uh, joining me in person, we like to do this when we're in person because we're so rarely together all in one place where there are microphones, are, you heard them, Dan Morin. Hello. Hello. Serenity Caldwell. Hi. And he hasn't said anything yet because he thinks we're all crazy. <laughs> no, you, you can't. Uh, he literally can't say anything until you introduce it's him. It's John Syracuse. Yes. <laughs> I'm just trying. I'm just wondering what this show is going to be about, but I guess you'll tell me in a couple seconds. Yeah, that's yeah, right. That'll be it's, good. It's impromptu. No, this is part of the Incomparables 200th episode spectacular. And I wanted to talk about, because we had we can't talk about Game of Thrones in this episode because we're recording this before the show stops showing episodes this season. Uh, that was our excuse the last couple of years was to talk about that. Um, this is exciting because Monty will get to appear in that episode. Hey, Monty. Which he doesn't otherwise get to. Uh, so here's the, here's, here's the topic. We, we took episode 100 and we promised not to spend a whole episode talking about ourselves for 100 episodes. And, <laughs> Woohoo! Uh, time's up. Nailed it. Suckers. <laughs> so here we are to talk about ourselves. Is this show still on? <laughs> well, <laughs> this episode hasn't posted yet, Dan. Touche. So it is possible that we won't make it. Um, that, so for this episode, I, I, I wanted to do a bunch of different things. We'll have a bunch of different seg- segments, but I wanted to start by talking about, um, like I was inspired in episode 100 to sort of criticize ourselves and, and question why we do this. And, and I wanted to call it metacritical, but I couldn't do that because that was the episode of hypercritical. That was episode 100. And he, you know, you got Too there slow, first. old man. I know, <laughs> I know I should have released like eight special episodes to beat you to number 100, but I didn't do it because the integrity of the podcast must be maintained. So this time I wanted to talk about, again, about us, but I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, the fact that we talk about, uh, nerdy stuff. We talk about comics and, 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 sci-fi and fantasy and things like that. And and the reason I wanted to talk about that is because when I was a kid, I loved these things. But I think there was an implication, and I definitely got this from my parents, that these were things kids liked. That comic books are for kids, and science fiction is for kids, and watching Star Trek on TV is for kids. All of this is the silly stuff that you do as a kid. And at some point, you grow up. And that stuff isn't for you anymore. And you become an adult and it's time to put away the childish things and move on uh, and do adult things. And so what I wanted to talk about here a little bit is the what, movie Big. what the hell <laughs> happened because I – uh, I'm still uh, – and I still like them to this day. And I think – and we all still like them. And, and it's so – you know, part of this is are we suffering from a horrible state of arrested development? And part of it is, was that a load of crap that people said there, that there's certain kinds of things that should ever only be appreciated by children and not by adults? Because if it's true that, um, that I should have given them all up, I missed the memo and I feel really um, bad about it and somebody should let me know. Didn't I talk about this recently too? You did. I beat you to it again. You did. I? You did. You you are you are living a good 5 weeks ahead of me in everything I do. Wait, tell me which stocks to buy. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to help you that much. My mother is the person that I blame for all of my Problem. science fiction. Just everything. Yes, Just all everything. the problems. <laughs> Sorry, mom. Just blame mom um, for everything, yeah. 
No, but like she's the person who introduced me to Star Trek. She's the person who introduced me to Star Wars. She's and my my father was always very big on like you should read the books that you want. You can totally read comics. And sure, I'm going to let you check out 25 science fiction books uh, during the summer, even though that's not necessarily what's on your reading list. Um, so I guess from my perspective, or at least growing up, uh, my parents were very supportive about me playing with whatever and my mother was very much a geek and enjoyed that kind of stuff um so i never really got the sense that at a certain point you kind of have to put away the toys because your parents your your parents liked this stuff too and so you always sort of modeled that this is something that's perfectly fine for adults well exactly did you never feel uh did you not go off to college and feel some pressure to like i shouldn't like these things anymore i should i should uh drop these habits for things that are going to be more um you know marketable and approved by others (laughs) and considered to be grown-up things so here's the problem when you grow up in a house that's full of musicians and then you go to high school for theater and experimental theater and then you go to college for experimental theater. You never have to grow up ever, ever. When you spend I mean my thesis was on radio plays and mask making and a little bit of American history but like when you're. By the way stay tuned for the incomparable mask making episodes coming this Christmas. It will be so exciting. It's really great to watch on on radio. Nothing is better for audio. The best podcast will be. Check out the mask. (laughs) Oh my god. Um, Dan, that's an expert. Where, I'd give you a, a double alligator. Where did you go, Dan? I, there was another guy <laughs> with glasses on sitting in that seat for it's a my minute. Clark Kent mask. Wow. Ah, it's very nice. Fancy. But no, I mean, I I was really lucky, or at least I feel like I was really lucky to grow up surrounded by goofballs and people who were just kind of like, you know, when I had a bad day at school, my dad was like, let's go to Disneyland, right? Not wow. not let's let's sit down and, and you lived in Kansas it was a long long drive har, opposite har. of the opposite of my father yeah but no i mean i mean my he dad said let's leave Disneyland. <laughs> we're going home we're turning this car Disneyland around burned down actually today, kind of yes yeah. <laughs> but no i mean my parents were strict and like i had restrictions and things like that but also i mean my parents and my my friends and the schools that i went to later in life both high school and college were all full of goofballs and we're all full of people who are who are nerds and who were, you know, very passionate about what they cared about. And that was a combination of, you know, video games or movies or books or whatever, what have you. And um, I, I don't know. I just never felt that. And I'm, it may be I'm younger than everyone. Are you right? Peter Pan? Did you escape? Have you, do, you, do you today as, a, as somebody in their 20s who, who moved to another city and, and has met other people and got involved with other things? Have you run into people now in your life who, who look at you and say, why are you why are you interested in these things? Don't you do serious, boring, grown-up things instead? Um, so I guess there are people like... <laughs> you need more judgmental people. Yes, I need, I need more people shaking their finger at me. I can fill that I mean, role if you're looking for somebody. You know? There, there are always... Yeah, there are always people who are going to judge you, but I I guess pretty... I, I had a really like crappy middle school experience with a bunch of judgy people. Me too. Yes, yeah. exactly. Well, yeah. it's just like, I think it's a middle uh, school. It's, it's middle a middle school, school thing, See, right? I the, and I had the opposite there. Well, you had you made all of your you friends in middle school, but like 
This explains so much. Anyway, yes. <laughs> is so, that because that's when you met Tony Sindelar? It's when he met Tony no, Sindelar I, and all. Actually, I knew him since elementary school. Mm-hmm. But yeah. like, I had I'll a see, core yeah. group of friends who were all really nerdy and all into the same things as us. And we, in some to a certain extent, there was like safety in numbers. Like we could all hang oh, out and talk about. Did you all, bully the other people? All the popular people yeah. like don't <laughs> talk to them. The stupid jocks. It's, it's, the it's all coming yeah. together. It's not the nerds, right? But like, I have the opposite experience from you in that my dad to this day, has no interest in anything even kind of vaguely nerdy related. But that's not true. Your dad's into baseball and he's into, like, I mean, it's a Abs- different kind of nerd. No, but I mean, like, I it's mean... a completely different kind of sure, nerd. Sure, but what I'm saying specifically, I'm saying in the, like, fantasy, science fiction, sure. all the stuff, like, that kind of thing, video all stuff we talk games, about. Yeah. like, he has no interest in, in almost any of that. Like, the most I ever got to play da- games with my dad was, like, Scrabble and Trivial Pursuit. <coughs> and it's... You know, he really had no interest in that. My mother is a little bit, I think she's in some ways more of like a closet, like (laughs) geek in that way. Um, Because she definitely. Well, she can't reveal it to her husband. Right, right. (laughs) No, but like, she definitely read, I I definitely read fantasy books that she gave me. um, And my, my, her sister, especially, and all my cousins on that side were all also really into a lot of this stuff. Because I remember always watching Star Wars. That was like one of my earliest memories is watching Star Wars with them. And. I remember that my aunt always gave like like these fan- fantasy sort of young adult fantasy books for me to read. I would like borrow from her library whatever's out there. These uh, Edward Eager, for example, or um, E. Nesbitt, that kind of stuff. The sort of fantastic children's novels of the like fifties and sixties. And I kind of grew up reading a bunch of that stuff. And and for me, growing up, more than anything, it was about books. I read. I just read constantly. Like there's a – in sixth grade, you know, when they were like doing a slideshow with our like sixth grade graduation from elementary school and they had like pictures of people doing like, you know, things. I was like me sitting at a desk reading a book and I would like read books sometimes during classes that I was not supposed to be reading books during. Woo-hoo. But it was yeah. like constantly – I was always reading something and I was reading tons and tons of science fiction and fantasy at that point. And I think my mother kept – you know, tried to make sure I read other stuff. Like so, I could you know sort of more well rounded, um, but okay, I, well that worked out. I, I mean, I did, but I gravitate. I constantly gravitated yeah. back to that, and so it did provide. And I had friends in elementary school, and you know, again, you were all as kids, you're all kind of into certain aspects of that. But I felt like I didn't necessarily like bond with anybody over it. It was just expected. Um, and so it wasn't until I got to middle school that I met a lot of other people who were really into the same thing. And we were, you know, playing playing D&D and we were playing, you know, magic later on. And we were going and biking to the comic book store and talking about, you know, sci-fi movies and, and all this stuff. And we made, we made role-playing games um, and we founded clubs. Like we basically took over a games club and turned it into like a club where we could play all sorts of like RPGs and stuff. Dan, are you sure your, your childhood wasn't like a John Waters movie? Movie or something because I'm thinking it was like, like a, a, a simulation in a computer. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. and it actually sound, he was. It doesn't sound real. He was it, in some terrible machine, is, but in his yeah. mind, yeah. Yeah. For me, I was in the Matrix. I was yeah. in the Matrix. No, it was unusual, and I understand that. But like, it was for me, it was a big part of embracing that and never feeling, never having to feel ashamed of that. Yeah, you didn't learn shame correctly in middle school. <laughs> oh, I learned shame. <laughs> Trust me when I say I learned it for other things, but not not for <laughs> not that for in particular. And, and well, and I, well, I lived in a place where being smart was not looked down upon. Like, that's and I think not that's natural, the, really. I, well, and I grew up in a in a in a in a school system in which that was really really valued, yeah. and academic achievement was sort of a big thing. In the way that athletics, for example, by comparison, was not as big. In a city oh. named 
for one of the most famous scientists. <laughs> in you human basically history. lives in a utopia, and and the, the world's first PDA. But, but yeah. I was going to ask if it, <laughs> I was going to ask if it was a generational thing in some ways. In that, like, so I, speaking of my father, I know that as a as a kid, he read things like comic books. And stuff like that because it was, again, expected or it was what you gave kids or, you know, is what they were right. exposed to and interested in. But he clearly did outgrow that because he really doesn't seem to have interest. But I, I always wonder if there's like a generational thing where that was not in his the, – the era he was growing up in, that was not uh, allowed or, or uh, like, you know, there was no approbation for that in a way that today – it feels as though it's a lot easier to grow up in a society where that's acceptable. Oh, and I can give you, true. I can give you one reason actually. The more I think about like my childhood and where that went, it's the internet. I was going like, to say, yeah. The, I mean, the fact that you know, like I had a really her, terrible. Her childhood went to the internet, yes. folks. Yes, my childhood that was, was my the internet. Well, hopefully, but we'll like, find it one day. BBSs, right? Like the very yep. first thing that I remember doing when I got on a computer to talk to other people was that my dad had worked his Caltech connections to get me a pen pal for Ghostwriter. Like <laughs> we were talking about the silly PBS show with some kid in Arizona. And I don't like I don't know this kid and I, I haven't talked to him in like 20 odd years. Um, but it was still the fact that like, oh, wait, you mean people other than me like this show somewhere else? Yeah. And then I was given pretty much probably horrifying to most of the parents in the room. uh unrestricted internet access from you know age seven onward like i i was in chat rooms and i was my dad was just he gave me a very quick talk on the beginning and like we started using the computer basically like don't do stupid things and don't reveal your real age and i thought of that as okay i'll just play a 24 year old so anywhere i went i was just like i was cat i was a 24 year old student of veterinary science or something (laughs) like as a 13 year old i had like a fake personality um also her go box just fake passports bills (laughs) money you know you never know when you when you have to flee the country but no like I was, you know, chatting with that, and then I got involved on, like, a Matrix fan board for a while right after that came out, and it just, it went from there. So even though I was having, like, a horrible experience in elementary and middle school, I had the internet, and the internet told me, you're not alone. You have friends. You have people who understand you and who get this kind of stuff. And who think you're 24. Uh, Aside aside from (laughs) Ren fulfilling her obligation to make Jason and I feel old. uh, Also, she's that age now, and she still gets carded. That's the irony. This this is, uh, this, I think, reveals a divide, because in the the typical terrible middle school experience that I had, there was no internet to go to to find other people like you, and we are past that. Now, people know that like they're not the only one. (laughs) You may be different, and you may be weird, but and there may not be a lot of there's you, someone like you, you will there. find each other on the internet, and there is a place for you to go, and, and there must be that must be very comforting to realize because the, the loneliness you feel as someone who is an outsider or yeah. weird or different in some way when there's no place for you to go, and like and that's why you read the books, you're like, well, at least this character in this book, oh, but yeah. they're fictional, like, and that's but all they you've understand got. Me. But that's <laughs> all you've got, and it's like if you could connect with a real person, and what I think that does is it makes people not like if you, if you associate. Your misery, your typical, your pro- stereotypical misery in middle school, with your interest in this strange fringe subject, then you want to feel like I never want to be like that again. I want to escape that. I don't want to be that person. I want to be the different person. And so you grow up and you leave that behind because it's part of your transformation into an adult. And it's like now you you got to get 
like what was I saw uh, someone tweeted something or whatever, or maybe it was from the Onion, it's a area man or whatever, saying uh, <laughs> he's forty nine year old says he's only two or three years away from uh, achieving the level of self confidence he had before entering middle school. Yes, <laughs> that was the right? Onion. Yeah. Like yep. so, like middle school knocks you down, and then when you're fifty, maybe you feel like you're maybe get reaching parity again, right? And so you want to put that stuff aside and say, oh, that's not me. I'm a good functional adult. And if you start to link it, it's like a version therapy. You know, it's like you start mm-hmm. to link that with that. But if you're in middle school and you're like, okay, well, I'm weird or whatever, but I hooked up with these people and we validate each other and we say we, say we may be a minority, but we're not bad, then you're not going to – you're going to carry that with you. You're not going to put it aside as part of your growing up process because you're going to be like, all right, so what? You're not into it, but I know a bunch of other people are and it's it's part of who I am and I'm not going to set it aside. Well, that, and that's what happened to me. I mean I think I also – I was thinking back and I was decided – you know, the other thing I think that made a big difference was that I did have adults – that I could look up to who were interested in that kind of thing. Specifically, I think about my my eldest cousin, who I is to me is kind of like an older sister. Um, she got married when I was probably around eight um, to a guy who's a huge nerd. <laughs> and my cousin is is herself like she's a librarian. She's really into like fantasy and YA books and stuff like that. And she was always super supportive. But her husband is a high school physics teacher, and he is a gigantic nerd. And it was from him that I learned about D&D. He introduced me to magic, and I introduced, introduced all of my friends to it. And he would always, like, I would go up and visit, and he would, like, take me to the role-playing store. Because, like, a long time, I, like, collected, like, little lead oh, miniatures. Awesome. Yeah, Ralph Partha. Yeah, exactly. Oh, yeah. I, I had a ton of those. <laughs> and so, But, like, he was an adult. And, I mean, at that point, he was probably, you know, he must have been in his 20s, like, early 20s or something. But as an 8-year-old or whatever, he was an adult, right? And mm-hmm. And... He would take me like he would validate this, right? Like he was a successful adult. He was a teacher, and um, you know he was into this stuff. And he he is a person who doesn't feel any. He's a very outspoken Shame, yeah. guy, and he is a very like guy who is in, in no way feels embarrassed about any of the hobbies he does. And that to me was a very positive role model to have to look up to and be like, you can be a functional, successful adult and still be interested in these things. That I don't have to deny myself yeah. from liking these things. Now, I didn't have the internet, and I didn't have those examples. But I feel like I'm trying to think of what made me hold on to things and. In, 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 Tenacity. Well, part of that is like, I mean, you can hold a tenacity like, screw everybody else. I'm going to be bitter and hate the world and become kind of like, you can you can be a self-hating nerd and then you leave the stuff behind and pretend it was never you. You can be the screw the whole world. I may be alone, but I'm right or whatever. But, Beat I mean, my chest, yeah. yeah but, but that's not, I mean, you don't end up in a good place there with that. I think the things that I held on to uh, were because, like, computers is a good example. Like, why, you know, being nerdy and being into computers, why is it something you hold on to? It's because... You could see, like, there was enough of an adult connection. You could see, like, computers in the future, man. Like, <laughs> you guys don't know, but, like, someday we're going to rule the world and whatever because computers are so important. And there was a little bit of a connection to that. It was like, well, adults are into computers, too, but it's not the thing to be into when you're in middle school to be into computers at all. Mm-hmm. And so, like, you Although have to Although in our era, it was very much so like, oh, yeah, you guys, computers is going to be your entire life. You got to, you know, we're, we're, we don't really understand it, but you right. guys totally but, get it. You're going to, I mean, I got that you, talk, right? It's like, you should do computers because in, in the future, Sure, everyone will need computers. But, but it was a death sentence socially to be like, okay, I'll do computers. In yeah. fact, I'm really into them. I'm going to get this computer magazine. Ow, ow, stop hitting me. I mean, <laughs> like, bit like being in the AD so, yeah. club or something. See, that's, yeah. Yeah, it, so, yeah. I, I'm, I'm fascinated by this because I do think it, it, it's luck of the draw of, at least back then, maybe not now with the internet, of who was around. So Dad, Dan had his support system with those friends who were into those things. For me, my best friend in elementary school, and I went to a K-8, I didn't have a junior high. I just had the ladder the, it just was a slope that decreased oh into hell as it went. <laughs> uh, but uh, my my best friend in elementary school, his dad was a sixth grade teacher, 
and at at our elementary school. And his dad was really into computers. He was the first one who had a personal computer. He was the first one who had an Apple II. Um, and so that family was into computers, and that made me into computers. And like we had a computer club that was in that would that his dad was the advisor, and you stay after school in mm-hmm. Mr. Holland's room. And you know, and and I gotta say to Chuck Holland, my best friend's uh, dad from from uh, elementary school. That's why I'm in this business is because he encouraged us because of that sort of computers of the future. Aren't they really cool? And so I never felt in elementary school like the computer stuff. Like we would go out in the hall during recess and play Ultima on an Apple II. Aww. And that was like supported by uh, by Mr. Holland, right? So I never felt that until I got to high school that there was the computer mm-hmm. isolation. But I didn't have a lot of other stuff. I mean, there was Star Wars came out, and everybody loved Star Wars, so that was unifying. But it was also not special. But I never felt the same kind of unifying about. about there, there were a couple kids who liked comics, and there were a couple kids who liked science fiction. But those were the things that seemed um, seemed different to me. But not the computers, because I had a, a, a critical mass of computer people yeah. in in the you know up through eighth grade, and then in, but in high school there were the guys who hung out at the computer lab, and I was never one of those guys. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and some of that was, you know, it just didn't happen. And some of it was like, I don't want to be one of those guys. I think having that authority figure, I think, helps in some ways, even if they're not directly involved in it. And I have to think back to in middle school, my homeroom teacher was a guy named Dick Yossi. And he was the, like, he was, to me and my friends, I always kind of refer to him as our patron saint. Because whatever club we wanted to come up with, he would support it. We're like, you, we want to do like a computer games club. And you're like, that's fine. You want to do a games club. You want to do like a D&D club, a newspaper, like all this stuff. He was the most patient, wonderful guy. And I I'm, I'm, was very sad. My friends and I were trying to get together with him a couple of years ago, and he ended up passing away suddenly, which was a real bummer. But like, we, he nurtured us and was like, even if it was not something he was into, he was willing to carve out the time to be like, I will sit in the room, you know, as your student advisor or your, your, your faculty advisor, and you guys can do this stuff. And like, if I, if you need anything from me, let me know. And, and he really kind of, you know, took us under his wing and, and it was, it was huge. That was a huge place. It was having like a protected space with an, uh, an adult authority figure who, even if they were not like particularly versed in that, they were willing to say, there was nothing wrong with what you're doing. You guys are having fun. You're learning stuff. You're socializing. That is what you are here for. And that I think made a huge difference for my friends and I to give us some place to hang out. And we, there was a point where we were like four out of five days after school, we were, we had like some sort of club going doing something nerdy and that you know again that was kind of the heyday for us and sort of like having that experience and i know most people didn't have that experience and i feel very fortunate that i did i think the medium has something to do with it because we mentioned two things so far that like i mean people our our parents and our parents parents read books and went to the movies and there's different kinds of books and there's different kind of movies but the medium offers some protection so if you become an adult and you read trashy romance novels you get some protection from being like I'm an avid reader. I read. Yes. I, yeah. I read, right. Yeah. And what do you read? You read trashy romance it's novels. It's like that, yeah, Janine that, in Ghostbusters. Yeah. Right. <laughs> right. All right. And and for and same thing for movies. There's so many different kinds of movies. What kind of movies do you see? Do you just watch westerns? Do you just want dumb comedies or whatever? Like there's some protection in like you can the genre the the, the medium offers protection. And computers right. was like 
that's not a medium that existed. What are you talking about, computers? And so it it's like there's a disconnect between, you know, oh, well, my parents read books and I read books and like and then like what genre, you know, there's no protection for computers because like computers, what <laughs> the do, hell? Is, you do computers? What do you even do with the computers? Right. I mean, so then, that's a generational do, do, divide. But, but and, now and the adults that you look up to say like, well, adults as a, as a category Adult, right. don't do computers, don't do computers. Because, because they didn't exist when they were around. Mm-hmm. And then I do them and it's like and and that's not like a kid thing. And what I'm, what I'm leaning towards is what we were talking about on ATP a lot. It's like video games, right? Because yeah. yeah. not only is that a generational divide and it's a medium that didn't exist, but it's got the word game in it and kids play games and yeah. like that's and, and like card games offer generational protection sure. because it's like everyone played card games back, you know, hundreds yeah, of years. Everybody plays bridge. But mm-hmm. video games is computers combined with games and that's the ultimate like you should be growing out of that. And yeah. yet now Hello. that is the that is the thing, right? Like everybody, yeah. I know everybody plays computer games. Like even even right. like the jocks, because well, yeah. we're we, past the generational divide. Yeah, exactly. Right, it's right. fascinating. We, we cleared it because the now, par- the parent, now the parents, the parents still don't. I mean, I'm a parent, and I play. Well, no, but I'm a parent. <laughs> but our, but our, our parents would not. Yeah. But exactly. Like but we, we, we're the we parents. Are, we are. Jason and I are the leading edge of mm-hmm. that. And now people who are having kids now, of course, they game. We're whacking, you know, whacking through the jungle with a machete, and all there is is Minecraft in front of us. But that's why our parents. <laughs> are always are always going to be shocked that we continue to play video games, but it, you know I, we have kids, and we're not going to be shocked that our kids continue to play them because we do. Like it's right. an adult activity. And although I could give you a counter argument, which is my mother always said, "Oh, are you still reading those funny books?" <laughs> right? Because that was because it's the yeah. opposite problem, which is it was a it, it, comic books were considered trash that was just junk for kids. Yeah. Yeah. And, and here's the, here's something I wanted to mention too that we, that maybe we'll get to in a little bit is some of this is a, is about society changing and the internet changing. Some of this is about people who grew up as kids loving the trash that was for kids as adults saying, what if I made that and it wasn't trash? Yep, My and, Little Pony. And mm-hmm. so that's and that's where you get like comics today are not like comics were when my right. mom knew what comic books were. They're, sure. they're yep. literature now in a way that they weren't then. So in a way, if that's what you think of comics is that they're junk, then why would your kids, they're junk for kids. Yeah, and, why would anybody but kids is, read the, junk for kids? The thing that's confusing to the older generation uh, and the reason this keeps coming up is because they're the same properties. Like the My Little Pony thing is a woman who grew up watching My Little Pony, and My Little Pony was garbage in the eighties. Yeah, it really was. And so she made a new show, also called My Little Pony. And yeah. from the outside perspective, it's like you still look at My Little Pony. It's like no, this My Little Pony is not the same. This Spider Man is not the same mm-hmm. as that Spider Man was. And but it's still Spider Man. Like and so it does. It looks the same from yeah. the outside because they're using the same properties and IP. But it is a generation that grew up with them and is making essentially more sophisticated or even adult versions of them in some cases. The thing I always thought was interesting from a cultural touchstone point of view looking back you know and talking about like nerdery we talked about genres and uh, and mediums movies to me was always really interesting because if you looked at what were traditionally like the high grossing blockbuster movies they were often sci-fi or they're, fantasy they're, movies. Yeah. And if you look today, especially, now everything oh. that gets yeah. more ever than $100 million. And I count that in sort of that yeah. same yeah. realm. Ever, ever since Star Wars, the highest grossing movies ever released are all uh, what we would consider sci-fi fantasy. But Star Wars was such a cultural touchstone that it didn't ma- It wasn't like, that's a movie for nerds. It was a movie that a lot of yeah. people like said, really yeah. liked. Like I said, yeah. it was gro- growing up with Star Wars, it was... In the it was I mean I was what, it was in the six, air I was six when Star Wars came out everybody loved Star Wars Star Wars wasn't something you were allowed yeah. to have an opinion about it was like, it was like yeah. Mickey Mouse everyone loves Star Wars who doesn't love Star Wars like chocolate yeah. ice cream yeah, Star exactly. Wars yeah. <laughs> yeah it's all good well and right? you think about what kids growing up right now with Marvel and everything else I mean it's yeah. it's cool my son and is acceptable. obsessed my son and daughter are obsessed with uh, with Marvel stuff and my son especially but it's it's 
and, and that's and that's the a cultural change, right? Is is uh, you've got the internet saying you're not alone. You've got this stuff having been remixed for a, a new and, generation, and it's popular, yeah. which is validating, exactly. And you've got a, a generation of parents who are familiar with this stuff and have a love for it that maybe wasn't there. Maybe some of that is also that the entertainment companies are wise now and they know there's the cycle. And yeah. so, why is there going to be a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles movie? Why are there Transformers movies? They're aware that the parents of the kids are, are aware. Of those brands, but, but I think, and they bring I think them like, back. like the My Little Pony thing, though, is like the people who are doing these things now are people who grew up with them. JJ yeah, Abrams, yeah. Abrams loves Star making, Wars, right? Exactly, because like it, it, and no matter how it may have at one time been just for kids or low quality or whatever, but that's not our memory of it. And all those people who have memories are now the creators, and they are like that is the, mining that, our nostalgia. That is the canvas. That, that <laughs> yeah. is the paint that they're painting with. Is you know. Uh, the thing that I loved, but but way better. Like make it like I remember it being, but it really never was. Well, and that's what that's what Joss Whedon is doing with the Marvel movies. It's the yeah. same thing, right? It's it's it's, uh, and that that's a way that's really interesting because that's the upgrading. That's the taking something that probably was junk. I mean, oh my God, this is I I always call this the uh, Scooby Doo theorem, which <laughs> is just don't watch things you watched when you were a kid because you'll find oh, it's all terrible. It's really bad, right? But you mine that and turn it into turn it into something better. And then you know you can't say well don't don't do well Scooby Doo is a bad example because it's just going to be terrible regardless. But it's like oh that Star Wars that was that silly movie for kids. And it's like well no it's it's people have been doing this for years and years though because you look at a strip like Peanuts um, which was very very popular and ran for years and I know so many cartoonists who use that kind of as their defining moment to be like oh. Comics don't just have to be laugh a day, da da da. Comics can have serious right. things hidden underneath the the shield of small children saying them. And from there, you know, you you get all kinds of expansions, both in newspapers, outside of newspapers. The web comics industry was largely founded by people who, you know, loved peanuts and other really yeah. fun for better or web for worse. comics is another weird thing though yeah. like in, in medium wise because it was like all right i read the, i read the funny papers every day in the newspaper mm-hmm. fine whatever right. and right but it's then like it's your like, funny books but then the if you had, then you had to explain <laughs> to your parents when this when this generational shift happened of like i read comics but i read them on my computer they're called web comics and like what Comics are on the that? computer. Like, no one would question you reading the comics as part of the paper because reading no. the paper is something adults did. But if you, but now you're reading them. On <laughs> but the, you also had to go and find the web. Now comics. you're reading like, them, that's a part of. Now it you're too, reading yeah. them on the computer and like how, how is web comics even a thing? And even from within the industry, there's resistance. Like this new medium. Anytime there's a new medium, it seems like it's, it's weird or different or that like well, it's not po- something also that podcasting. Should be doing. What the hell is that? It's yeah. the um. It's the <laughs> is it Douglas Adams who has the thing about. Any technology yeah, that yeah. existed when you were a kid is perfectly natural. Anything that's invented between your ages of like twenty and forty is like exciting really cool and, and exciting. Yeah. And then anything past that is it's like scary. Yeah, 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 yeah it's frightening. It's, like, it's the same sort of thing with cultural stuff too. I think there's you know yeah. there's certainly a, a certain mm-hmm. amount of age generational stuff. I was wondering if some of the things with parents who like encourage their kids to give up that was sort of a, a reflection of them being forced mm-hmm. to do so and feeling like, well, I was told at my age when I was a kid that, like, I had to grow up and give up these things. And now so it's, when now that I am a parent, I am passing so. that along because that was also, that was indicated to me as, like, the And there's the, the cultural signifiers point. of adulthood, true, which I think, you know, and, and for a lot of us, it's the post-war cultural signifiers mm-hmm. of adulthood that have kind of that permeated the culture when we were growing up and it's the you know what do we 
on the game show episode that we did, there's the you know the, with the family feud questions, yeah. and it was like what what are men's hobbies, mm-hmm. <laughs> and it's golf and right. and you know whatever it would be hunting, yeah. golf hunting sports. sports. <laughs> it's the whenever I try um, to go buy a, a birthday card for my dad. Yeah. It's like the four things that you can yeah. buy. And it was like you, you what, what do men do? Men drink and go play golf and watch have a TV. pipe and watch yeah. TV and fix uh, their cars fix and cars yeah. and girls yeah. and, and that's it that's and it. the parents that were trying to stop the kids from doing that I, I mean I, I think the, the perspective they're coming from is like uh, they're afraid that their child is not going to fit in if they continue well, to do this yeah. strange thing and they, sure. they're, they're trying to get mm-hmm. you to like to conform because you'll be happier in life if you were like everybody else and what they thought everyone else was supposed to be like is don't play video games because none of the adults in my well, generation play video games so it would be better if you just stop with the video games because I don't want they fear for their like the and optimistic it, perspective back around to the internet it's like kind of puts the lie to that right yeah, is, no. yeah there are plenty of normal people well it's the also I mean I hate to put it I put the it, abnormal people yes, are now abnormal. normal yes it's lovely isn't it <laughs> but to, I hate to put it towards a uh, a generational like typical blah 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 but uh, at least for my parents generation it was very much like oh you're not married by 24 oh, yeah, what's right. wrong with you and oh you're doing this stuff well clearly <laughs> and then you look at like <laughs> Dan why. you're in my generation it's like I most of my friends did not even start dating the person that they eventually got married to before they were in their mid-twenties and god forbid like I know maybe two people who got married before 28 well I mean that, that, that they had to be the woman what, what else is the woman going to do if not get married but I mean it's function. like even even in the 60s and 70s where it was like clearly women had a path beyond just making stuff in yeah, the Yeah, but home. it was frowned upon. It was. Yeah. <laughs> but as it became more and more acceptable still, it was, you know, my mother got married at 23 and I look at that now and I'm like, oh my God, that's insane. Well, yeah, mm-hmm. and I mean, by comparison, I, my parents <laughs> were married fairly late. Yeah, I got, yes. and I got married at 23. <laughs> I got, what, 20, something like that. I was younger, <laughs> I think, yeah. Yeah, well, when you, <laughs> but that gonna, was the old times. Jump a, we're yeah. gonna jump ahead, Jason. But uh, like Lauren, I mean, is a is a geeky person, right? Like Lauren likes that kind of stuff. Oh, uh, yeah. I I think. See, I think not. Every, I think everything's she wasn't. Re- everything's relative. I think yeah. she I mean, was not. She's married. To. I think she was not. Yeah. Well, after being married to me for twenty years, <laughs> it sort of permeated our relationship. But I think I think she was not exposed to it. And, and, and no, no antibodies because it was not because it was not uh, like it was, it was not done. She got snow cooties. She, her, her parents weren't into into any of that stuff, and I and, and her friends weren't, and so although it was sort of floating out there. But it's only uh, you know it was only through exposure to me. Although, so I, one of the things I wanted to talk about is is later on because in high school I felt much more of this of like I, I, maybe I shouldn't like these things and this idea that that. Uh, you know, you don't know that you're not, you know, you're not the only one who is interested in these things. And I, I remember it, it, when I was in high school, I had a balsa wood TARDIS that I made <laughs> and painted myself and I put the decals on. I had a, one of those plastic Starship Enterprises that I made and yeah. painted I have lights and put the decals oh. on. I didn't so have you the were a big target is what you're saying. I, <laughs> so, and, and what I'm saying is when I went off to college – I donated all my Doctor Who books and my Star Trek books. I threw out the TARDIS balsa wood model, which I really that, regret. That now, was your last. Awesome. That was your last ditch attempt to get women. You were like, "Look, I, this is, I got to <laughs> well, make it happen. I got to get rid of this stuff." John, they were holding me back. There were more ditch attempts <laughs> after that. But but you're, this is the point: is is I felt like um, 
I felt like I was, for whatever reason, at this point where I wanted to divest myself of these things. They're, these are for kids, and I need to go off. And, of course, I found out very quickly that that was completely wrong. I, but it was like that moment of, like, do I put down the childish things now, and and and, and am I not allowed to like them anymore? Because nobody's going to let me. I'm going to be this sad, weird person who likes these ridiculous things that are for kids. And I, it's arrested development. I've got point. the counterexample for that, which is in the first two weeks of – in the first week of college. College. Um, the my first girlfriend who I met, I met because she was reading Game of Thrones. <laughs> like you're like, that, yes, I've got a shot. I had wow. not read it at that point. My friends started talking to her, and I but I liked fantasy, and so we sort of got into a conversation. I enjoy about games. It. Yeah, yeah, I enjoy Thrones yeah. and oh. games. Um, but like together. Well, but and especially because in college there is so much opportunity, right? Like there is, that is the point at which you do, because for a lot of people who go away to college, the it doesn't, it stratifies differently, right? It's also a chance yeah. to redefine who you are Absolutely. without anybody knowing your history, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. But yeah. there's, there are so many opportunities I felt like in college where there were associations and organizations of all types that were interested in all sorts of different things. Um, you know, there could be, and they showed like, for example, at our place, at our school, we had a movie theater and they would show like, cult classics and nerdy movies and stuff that people would go to and you know there were lots of opportunities to do these things yeah, I, I never felt the pressure to leave the stuff behind and again the game back yeah. to computers it's because I felt like I was on a mission mm. I felt like we're going to use these computers to change the world and I'm going to make that happen and I don't have time you don't Aww. distract me John is building time. Skynet we're on, a, we're on a mission for I don't God. have time to yeah. be distracted with this stuff or whatever and it was like <laughs> is that going to is that going to do I need to, to transition to adulthood it's like no I have, I have important work to do like I mean, it's, it's delusional. Yeah, but, like, but, no, that, but I can but, see like sixteen-year-old you being but posting like, reviews of of Star Trek: The Next Generation episodes on Record Star Trek was not part of my mission. I just <laughs> yeah, that's did what I'm it. saying. If it's like you know, because <laughs> I played D and D and I did all those things, and I didn't feel like I was leaving them behind. It, what I felt like I was picking up the mantle of like this this is going to be my life's work, and my generation is going to you know make like AI happen, and we're going to have mm. computers and like and whatever. And you know, before you realize that's not going to happen, I mean, the internet came and it seemed like it was all coming together, but. Like, like it allowed certain things allowed you to keep these strange hobbies even without external validation because you felt like you felt like you were making something happen. Whereas if you're playing D and I'm not sure what you think you're making happen. And then it just becomes like a, a weight, and it's like other people aren't doing it. Well, Girls I, won't talk to me. Maybe, <laughs> maybe I, I took it like maybe a personal, like not necessarily a mission to change the world, but like a goal for you know my own personal life. You know, and so I'm thinking like I started very early on writing like fantasy and science fiction because I loved reading fantasy and science fiction and I was like, oh, I want to tell the same stories I love reading. And a big part of that for me was being like 14 and writing in, I tried to, the first thing I ever like submitted for publication was uh, there was a company called West End Games that made the original Star Wars role-playing game and I read, they had like these adventure journals that would come out with like short stories and like, you know, adventures that you could play in them and I was like, oh, I'm going to write something for these guys and I wrote a thing and submitted it and they wrote me back and they're like, basically they couldn't told me they couldn't publish me because I wasn't like 16 or something and so my friend Jason Tassi and I were like, well that's not fair you know, we're just as good as anybody else so we started like making our own at that point, what you called an easing, mm. 
mm. that we could just like we're going to find people who are like us and want to write stuff but like can't get published and so we started a thing that we distributed on BBSs for a while and then later on like you know moved on to the internet but like that was like that was because that was what I wanted to do with my life you know it's like oh I want to write stories and I'm so yeah, I'm like you were on a mission too exactly it was a different mission but it was, mission, but yeah. it, was but I it, think, it encompassed something that most people consider just a, a frill and, and is able to be left behind absolutely they don't feel like they're going to write these novels they're like I enjoyed them but it seems like not the thing to do as an adult so I'll leave them behind whereas you felt like I'm going to be because these were written by adults these books that you were reading yeah. absolutely like you know and if you're aspiring to be one of the people who writes them yeah, you're going to keep reading them because yeah it. absolutely but also to the point like having the technology and the internet there to enable that like that we could go out and find other people who were like I want to write this stuff like that was a and that was sort of in its nascent period you know it was just getting started the web was just getting started when I was doing this and you know that made a big deal as well in terms of the as we mentioned like being able to find like-minded people Mm -hmm. and know that they were out there uh, was a was a huge thing but to this day there is a sense from a lot of people I think not in our community but outside it that those people you find on the internet aren't real people <laughs> and that those relationships you have on the internet aren't real relationships. Yeah, or, or, I mean, that's what happens if you're in the minority. It's like within your town, you're not going to find the people and the only way for you to find them is for the, we're too sparse. There's not enough of us. Right. And so it's like, why do you have internet friends? Because I'm... They give me something you no, don't. Because, yeah. because I'm different enough from the norm that I can't find... My odds of finding someone like me close by are so much lower than yours. And it's not so much that I'm choosing to do use computer interaction instead of regular interaction. It's just that like, it's harder for me to find someone I get along with. And I'm forced to, because they are far from me, use this computer. It's not as if I'm, I have the option of having lots of local friends who are the same as this, and I choose instead to talk to them to the computer because I'm antisocial. It's like, no, it's the only, no. they're too far away. Too far away. It's these are my people, and they just happen to live in different places. Like my parents were very accepting, but they were still very worried about me. And like in middle school and early high school, where it's like you, I well, they should have been. You're well, masquerading yeah. as a 24 year old. Mine as well. But yeah. but no, like I had a similar experience to you. Yeah my um my my first boyfriend was somebody who I like dated online um or like met in person and then dated long distance for a little bit because it wasn't even so much yep. about like the physical connection or the kissing or any of that. It was oh this is somebody who understands me and like we like the same things and this is what matters and, there and this was, is like, what's important. And there was like not enough of those people who live near you, Well, period. exactly. It's like the, if, if I wanted to date like Los Angelino jerks and jocks, <laughs> then sure. But I didn't like all they, they want, to quote my mother, they wanted one thing. And I was like, that's, I, I wanted to talk about like jet engines and computers and, and Talk to uh, me like you're, what, you're that 24 year old online. Oh parents parents don't say that anymore. My parents would say the same thing about the wanting one thing. Where yeah. did that phrase go? We should bring it back. <laughs> We have daughters. I'm gonna bring. I'm gonna bring. I'll tell my daughter that. Uh, Those boys only want one thing. Yeah, and then yeah, and they never tell you what it (laughs) is. To talk about Star Wars. I mean, to play Minecraft. Yeah, D and D. I don't. I don't. uh, It was so hard to explain to my parents about uh, about the friends that I had online, and then finally, I think when I when I finally like started having friends who were in the same place in like college and then brought them to like, Oh, here are my friends from college. And yeah. here are the people who like, here's a friend that I've had for, for thank, 12 thank years. God online. Serenity has real right. friends. Well, yeah. human but, now. but that's no. what college fills that role. The college used to like, yes, in your little town, you're not going to find enough people. Maybe, especially if you're, if your thing is like your academics or whatever, oh, if you go yeah. to college, your odds of finding someone who is like you go up so much and well, they're, the and, and they're in mm. person. Right. Yeah. And so it's like, I mean, I like distribution of what are people mostly like? It's like a bell curve, right? And if you're not in the middle of that bell curve, 
you you know you have to go like you have to go to some place where the bell curve is different. Now you're in college, and a lot of those people who are, who are in the middle of the bell curve aren't in the college anymore, or at least it used to be. And so you'd you aha could, now we're the jocks, and we could beat up the nerds, <laughs> right? And, but the, but the computer was the great equalizer, and it can bring everybody together. And it's like they see it as you are afraid of human interaction, you don't want you don't know how to make friends locally or whatever, and it's just like yeah. it's just a simple matter of math and population density. That's all <laughs> supply and demand. Yeah. yeah, or it's hanging out in the right circles. It's like LA had plenty of population density, but when you're going to a a private school whose emphasis was on like short skirts and wearing lipstick as a 12 year old it's like that's what, what school is that yeah, yeah. <laughs> I need to send a message back in time now <laughs> yeah. population density population density a... and like what is the density of nerds in well, your yeah. genre and they're just they're just yeah. spread too sparsely they even are. even if you're in Los Angeles it's just too too sparse well exactly it's like the the likelihood that you're going to have the a good portion of nerds who are the same kind of nerd as you in the same space is very limited whereas with college College, you're already Your picking, go way up. Yeah. Well, you're picking something in the same area, right? You're picking. You're you're all picking different uh, or the same kind of uh, idea of of a college, and then from there it just goes on, and you get to. And Jason is cracking up next to me, and I don't Sorry. know what image is going through his head. But I, I just we did not have the school with the short skirts and lipstick <laughs> emphasis in my town. And I is that a major I am or is that really uh, left out? Now. No, that's just what kids in 1999 did because Britney Spears was doing it, and, and that was cool. Like. Hmm. Well, oh, so, I see. I see. Yeah. I, it wasn't enforced I by the school. <laughs> I was envisioning it's a very strict yeah. private school where the dress code involves short skirts and lipstick, and no, you better wear it every only day. Only in a like a thirteen-year-old's wet dream. Okay, yeah, that's, but. That's, uh, I was going to say the population density thing. I, I wonder about if there's an element of that that it's still like if those people aren't there, but they're just they're afraid. Right, like well, there, there is that's part the of it. If, like if they yeah. are dominated, like that's sometimes right. you do find each other. Like you yeah. and one other guy find each other, and then but you got to keep it a secret because well, do you even find down. like <laughs> it's you like see, you see an ironic internet T-shirt the, across a parking yeah. lot? And you're like the hey. love that they're the not experience name. I'm thinking of is I'm thinking of the experience <laughs> the um the the freaks and geeks D and D stuff with James Franco. James Franco, yeah. right? And I like, did you ever have that experience of like meeting someone who is totally dissimilar, but like actually like the the jocks who are closet nerds? Oh yeah, we're like yeah. I mean, I had. I totally had that experience. There were a couple guys I knew. We used to, so like, you know, my friends and I played a bunch of Ultimate Frisbee in high school. We'd be out in the courtyard throwing Frisbee. But there were a couple guys who actually would come by and were like, in some ways, like protectors in that they were the older kids. But they're like, yeah, that's cool. And like, they would, they would keep you from getting like beat up, basically. (laughs) I don't want to, I want, I don't want to turn this into a requiem for the jocks, but think about how sad it is. We're talking about, oh, you know, we had these things we were enthusiastic about and it made us sort of ostracized and it was hard to find people who were like us. But follow, follow me here. Imagine you're somebody who likes that stuff but is not confident enough to say you like or it. Or not encouraged. And yeah. ends up in a position where you're not the nerd in the little group that's playing D&D. You're the popular person who has already put down your childish things and is looking over there going – Man, I'd really like to play some Dungeons and Dragons, and yeah, yet it's, it's not, like off on this off. It's not working. You're not making me feel sympathy. Th- those, well, no, I mean, I think that's <laughs> I part, do feel some. I, I think there are people who would really love that stuff who never ever dared yeah, to well, think it I was mean, something that, they that could hap- do. That's what happens in middle school. You make that choice. What kind of what kind of person mm-hmm. are you going to be? And it's somewhat defiant to make the choice of saying, you know what, I know no one does this, and it's not making me popular. But, but damn, I like I, it. you have to be obstinate about it. And, and some yeah. people, if people who feel like. 
I have a choice here. I could go with those popular people. I could not. And they, I know a lot of people, yes, they do make that choice to say, I'm going to leave that behind. And But I feel like those people don't spend a lot of time regretting it, and they just never look back and say, like, this is the Maybe. person I'm going to be. Although I, because, they, because they have the option, because they're good-looking enough, because they're coordinated enough, because they're personable enough, that they have the option, and they feel like, if I just cut this part out. And the thing is, if you're super popular and super smart and super good-looking, you can be in both. You can yeah, hang out with true. the nerds and no one will ever question you because you are the most popular that's true. We definitely we, we had you know, you know we definitely had that. That like, was you. It was me. And that's James <laughs> Frank. And that's James Frank. Right. No, but like we had people at my school. It comes down to confidence, right? Yeah. It comes down to confidence and being assured of yourself. And I don't think it, that really happens but for a lot geek, of people until. But there's geek confidence though. That's yeah. that's the yeah. thing is that I think there is a fundamental thing about people who are liking these unpopular things that they still do them. And some of those people have no. Ability to understand what they're doing while they're doing it. They're just, yeah, I like yeah, this thing. Yeah, I'm just yeah, really excited yeah, about like, it. Yeah. And everybody else is like, whoa, the, what is the, happening? The, the autistic, <laughs> the single minded. Right. Yeah. But then yeah. there are other people who are like, you know, I love it. I don't care. I mean, you guys don't like it. I don't care. I love it. And that there is sometimes you get some confidence there. It's like this is who I am. Yeah. This is well, what I like. That takes a long time because, because a lot. And, of, but, you're, but you're right. You yeah. Ren is right. You, it takes you time. But it takes a long that. time. It's like especially especially because you feel like you're going that direction. Because look, you say I don't have the option to go to the other one. I'm never going to be coordinated. Mm-hmm. I'm never going to be good looking. Sure. I'm never going to be popular. And so it's so much easier to make the decision. Well, I guess this is my thing then, and you suffer for it or whatever. <laughs> but but you never spend. And then, uh, then you're like, well, I might as well throw myself into. It. And you're aware of what's happening. You're aware that there has been a fork in the road, but your your consolation prize is like, well, I get to do the thing that I like. It's and, weird because uh, I feel yeah. like as a kid, I got beat up way more for being like the chubby little kid rather than because of what anything that I was interested in. Like I feel like I was just like a, a target that couldn't run you fast be, enough. Yeah. You got to be a little older for the Phillies <laughs> to be more nuanced. <laughs> yeah, they didn't really be... get into the nuance. They didn't go in for that. Pre, pre- what are you getting beat up? I thought your childhood as oh, elementary, is elementary school. Elementary school was yeah. not. Not that, yeah. Elementary school got, had a lot it, more trouble. You got all of the problems early, yeah. And then you went to the like happy, happy. Well, I, yeah, I went off. I left the elementary school where I had like some friends, but like generally felt like, you know, I'm the nerd who reads a lot. That's the guy who I am. Two A school where it turned out there were a lot of other people who also read a lot and read right. comic books mm-hmm. and liked games. You could sit near each other and read silently to yourselves, essentially. Yes. So. I wanted to mention something about, we were talking about online uh, relationships and friendships earlier, and I wanted to mention this. My first relationship, by the way, was also online, and I guess I can put a link in the show notes because I wrote a (laughs) thing about it for the magazine. But um, I feel like we're, that is a generational thing that is still happening, um, that uh, this reality of your friends on the internet versus your friends in real life. And, And I suspect that maybe people of like our kids' generation Will not will not see as big of a difference. Maybe the stigma may oh, not but, be oppressed. But, but from the parent perspective, I think there is still a factor there because, like, well, this, you're not gonna, you're not going to say like, oh, it's because my child doesn't have a right to be in person. But you do want to know things that you can't know when sure. you can't meet their friends. Right, like right. that from a parenting perspective, it's not as if I think, oh, you shouldn't be making friends in computers that are not real friends. It's just that there's an information void. Right, but I, I need to, I need to know what kind of people these are. are is this actually like a fifty year old man? But they are real thing? friends, and it's not the online doesn't make them not real. And I say that because I have. Um, if I think about my friends in my town who are largely parents of kids at my kid's school, I, I, I have a bunch of them that I like a lot. But the, the fact is the things that they are interested in yeah, and the no. things that I am interested in intersect in very small – I mean there's the – there's sports at least. There's the, there's, I got some sports. There's the, nice, there's the nice woman who I can talk about 80s movies and 80s music with. You'd like her, John. Uh, that, that's a good one. We'd have that one. That would be a good dinner party. But um, 
but it's not. I mean, and we got our kids. Yeah, your kids is what the main mm-hmm. but commonality is. But then they then they ask about like, oh, what you know, what do you do as yeah. your hobbies, and what and what do you what's this podcast I hear about and all that, and it's this gaping and void. And do you feel like? Do you feel? <laughs> do you feel like? I mean, I never bring this stuff up, but when we're meeting like friends of, of you know of parents of my kids' friends or whatever, my wife will frequently bring up like, oh, and John does a podcast or whatever, and I'm I'm loath to bring it up because the, the cricket I, sound effect because yeah, it's, well, it's because so you don't like. Explain, and, but it's like it's maybe it's bad or it's good, but like you just you just have the expectation that there's not going to be any common ground there, and that's why like why not even bring it up? And then you you feel like sometimes they want to know about it, and you try to explain it, and like they don't know what you're talking about, and it doesn't make any sense to them, and they try to be polite and or whatever, and it's like you still feel a little bit of that distance even in an adult because again it comes down to population density. How many people like you are there near you, and the number is low. You just assume that everyone you meet will not be like you. And I think in adults, I think it's more in hiding because I bet there are friends. I bet there are parents of kids in, in, in my kids' school who are into geeky things. They, I don't bring them up to them. They don't bring them up, and it's two right. geeky people at a party, yeah. not. Not, talking about not, talking because, again, it's the love that dare not speak its name, right? Yeah. And and not, it's not not in a bad way, but it's like you just assume you just assume that everyone around you physically, like, <laughs> right? Hey, anybody here want to talk about video games? <laughs> no, no? Right. All, right. all right, I'll and, see myself. And occasionally, out. you'll accidentally discover one where you'll make an offhand comment and they'll latch onto it, and then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, we did find each other that like you know that we do happen to do well, this or whatever. But you well, just assume it's, it's interesting because the opportunity like has gone up though, and like you go to a party, right? And it's like somebody's like looking at their phone, you're like, oh, we we, we, we playing over there, like Candy Crush or something. You know, yeah, like, there, and there's, there's all. An if you played this game, you put, there's there's a yeah. there's an entry point because the internet is in all of our pockets now. Yeah. Yes, yeah. but I, you know, it's interesting. I don't know for one reason or another. I was thinking you mentioned like you know parents of your kids' friends. Um, I was like, when I was a kid, I assumed that like because I was friends with somebody, our parents had to be friends. <laughs> like there's a, like, oh, yeah. yeah, of course, yeah, that's the illusion. Yeah. You see, yeah, the, the weird yeah. kid illusion. But I, you know, I feel like. I'm not in the same circles. I don't have, you know, not having kids. I don't have that interaction. But I do run into people a lot or, like, end up at, at like, social functions or whatever with people who I don't think have any commonalities. But I end up talking about it a lot anyways because... Because people, you because you got the mutant middle school where you... Didn't, I have nothing get, else to talk yeah. about. Where you didn't get well, your no. ego crushed. Like, or people ask what I do for a living. And I'm like, oh, a tech writer. And they're like, oh, yeah, I like this app or whatever. You know, people... There is a commonality is much sure. more accepted. Tech, tech writer level. is easier to explain than, like, oh, yeah. I, play, I play video games and have a podcast about, like... Just you know, lie. I mean, one, of my yeah. son's, you know? one of my son's best friends, his dad is, is, a, uh, is a designer and uh, knew who I was. Uh, which was kind of funny, but it ended up being we talk about like what podcast do you listen to and did you see this mm-hmm. app and all of that and we can talk about that. That's that's good, but I, I've yet to I've yet to meet somebody who's like you know what sci fi novel should I read next? Yeah. Right? It's like or instead like, oh it'll happen. Who's your favorite doctor? Or, you yeah. Know. yeah. yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, yeah, our na- our neighbors are English. But we can do that one. The, the, um, <laughs> That's it. the internet friend thing is interesting because obviously we all spend a lot of time on Twitter and other social networking right. thing. Twitter and is amazing. How also, many cases? Also, we have a podcast where we talk to sure. our pals yeah. about this stuff, and, and some of whom we met on and, the internet. And we are <laughs> and we are in very far away lands from right. each other, mm-hmm. right? But the internet thing, I think, with like social networking, especially on Twitter, like I, there's definitely a lot of times where I have started following someone on Twitter that I did not know personally, yeah, no, I, and then I, have I, met, right? Yeah. Like, and yes. then you become friends. Hey, you're from the internet. You until I met you that's on the internet. That's what I'm saying. Like, in, in some ways, that's I got that's my valid. job through the internet. Yeah. Like, 
it, it happens. And the other thing, at least for me, I mean, Dan, you may have had idyllic middle school, but for me, like for me, even we're going to beat Dan up later. Yeah, just yeah we really are. Just we're, just we're, a, come on, I have my lunch money taken. <laughs> never going to forgive you. No, no, <laughs> happy childhood. Dan. But um, even you know, even in high school, whoops, my phone's gone. I said um, good day, sir. <laughs> in high school and college, you know, even though I was with a bunch of people who like. I was like, oh, they're cool. They're real people. Like, they're they're people who like the things that I like. Um, there was still like a super nervousness about it, right? You don't want to you don't want to alienate the people who are awesome, and sure. and you still get a, like a little bit of of self consciousness about it. And I don't know whether it's just getting older or what, but a few years ago, I just kind of I was like, you know what? F it. <laughs> like, <laughs> they're just. I, I stopped caring about how – like I I knew who I was at that point or at least I had kind of figured out who I was at, or who I wanted to present myself as publicly to people. And I just kind of went with that and I'm just like, hi, I'm Serenity. I like this stuff. I do mm-hmm. this stuff. I play roller derby. And it's like I'm – you know what it what She it does really that every was? time she meets someone new. Yeah. It's really kind Prepare. of awkward. <laughs> Prepare to die. Yes. It's just laying it all out. But no, I, you know what it is? I think I've, hate, I've, I've learned that I absolutely hate small talk with like an yeah. undying passion of a thousand sons. So I would much rather – Dying sons are the most ra- passionate You're immediately repel them with your weirdness. Well, no. So I, would, I, would rather, I would rather Fail not fast, have to talk John, or I drop a lot of conversation topics and I'm like, all right. You know, uh, it's like, it's, I just like I, just, I It's like little beacons, right? Like, you drop like little hints speed here. Speed dating for friends. Here are things yeah. I can talk about. <laughs> no, Do any of these much. work for you? No. If not, then maybe sure we shouldn't lovely. be talking. Yeah, exactly. It's like I can talk about the weather for all I want, but well, it's just it's not interesting you know, to me. At, at some point, if you're very if you're fortunate and have an, a, a little self analysis, at some point you realize who you are and who you like and that you're going to be that person and I think when you're an adolescent there's a lot of questions like who am I do I want to be that person yeah, yeah. Can, do, can I I have an, do I have an option to be a different person? Right, right. Yeah. Could yeah. I, a better person. I try that? Yeah. Without the balsa wood tardis, maybe cool? Yeah. Maybe? No. Okay. Never mind. Maybe now not I re- so much. So the no. Right? But, but at some point, you're like, this is who I am. And I want to talk to people who will accept me for who I am. And uh, that's a big step. And, and it has ramifications because that means that there are going to be some people who are like, yeah, you seem perfectly nice, but we have nothing in common. Yeah, and there's, I think there's two ways to go with it. Ren was saying, like, once once she decided that, she could say, oh, I could I could lay these things out there. Here are the things that I'm interested in. Are you interested in that? And like, where, where I'm coming from is the even more timid side is where my immediate assumption is there is nothing you don't I'm like. in, there's nothing I'm interested in that you're going to be interested in. And you just assume that about it's everybody. Like a, yeah. It's like a yeah. form of well, PTSD, a, in, John. In, there was a great a example bit. last night where uh, at the talk show party, right? You guys are on stage, and I'm talking to, to Jesse Char and... And uh, and Amy Gruber walks by, and I mentioned something about roller derby, and she turns around. She's like, "Roller derby? You know, that was you know that was part of my midlife crisis. I was deciding whether to get a tattoo or join a roller derby team." And I was like, "The things that you'd never know from people." Right. No, she, would, she would not have offered that up as, no. a, as a story to someone because in the circles of nerds, she's not like this is not a roller derby crowd. No, so exactly. Right. Why would I talk about my because, speed speeding? Only because background. she heard it from you going by. Right. Exactly. But that's so. the whole thing. Like if you if you. If you think, like, given given a random person in the United States, what are the odds they share any interest with you? If you think that's really super low, it, like, you feel like you need uh, – you don't have an in with anybody and you feel like you need some – you need to see them on the internet talking about it and then they can go over them or hear them at a party talking mm-hmm. about it and you can go over them. And, like, be, you're not going to – and what you're doing is saying, like, 
I'm going to lay these things out there, and if you're interested, you're going to go away. But it means that if you are interested, I'm not hiding the fact that I'm into these things, and I'm going. It's, you're going to come toward. It's basically yeah. it's basically dating. <laughs> no, I basically well, it's yes. it's childhood yeah. mentality, right? When you're five, you don't think in your head, "Oh gosh, what if I say this and someone won't like me?" It's just. Hi, I'm Ren. Right, look at. Look, I like the color look, blue. Look at my frog. Yeah, exactly. Look at my frog. <laughs> and then you God, count what? ants on the sidewalk. So together. much easier in those days. Well, exactly. Yeah. And it's like at and a the certain girl, point. When the girls all ran from you, that was a positive result. That <laughs> yeah. That's right. I got a frog. <laughs> Check him out. He's gross. Yeah. I don't know. It's not. I mean, it's not to say that I don't have like self doubts and and self confidence issues sometimes. But it's just. It's. I just find it so much easier to be able to be like, yeah, this is what I like. You know what? I have enough. I have enough good friends, and I have people I care about and who care about me that I'm not afraid that if I. You know, hide myself. I'm not going to be able to like have friends. It's it's a context thing. I mean, because I think about the most disparate group of people that I interact with is I, I play very frequently. I play ultimate frisbee, and I play in a different. I play in a team that's different every season. Okay, so jock. I, yeah, yeah. 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 yeah, the ultimate frisbee jocks. Something never, <laughs> never called. Um, but like I, I, you know, I play essentially like a pickup sport, and you have a different team every season. So I meet new people every single season, and people want to know what do you do or whatever. And we go out to the bar afterwards. We have a drink, and invariably I find that, and part of that is because it's ultimate frisbee, which is still a predominantly nerd sport. <laughs> like almost everybody I talk to is like a nerd in some way, and the number of times that's devolved into conversations about Doctor Who or the Avengers mm-hmm. or whatever. Like it's just in, it is increasingly popular, and maybe that's a self-selecting sort of thing. No, it but. It's like when you're in the computer lab at your college, you just go up to anybody and start talking to them about you know NetHack or whatever. <laughs> like you know, and they're like oh, I wandered in because, here by mistake. I'm then, sorry. Because then it's not. A I'm just trying to print yeah. something. <laughs> Do you know how to print things? Because I don't know. Because then, you it, one of then those it's guys? not like a random person from the United States. It's like in the computer lab, yeah. the odd that someone is also into NetHack is it's goes way high. way sure. up. Yeah. Sure. And then 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 all of a sudden the side of the people comes out. Then they then they're like other people where the assumption of regular gregarious people is that. Whoever I meet, we're going to share something in common, and we have something to talk about. A lot of times at sports, for instance, you just assume, yeah. like, I, you don't know how many times I meet people in Boston who want to make small talk with me about Boston sports teams, <laughs> and it's just so it assumed. It's a side effect of what and we... And it, it's like, yeah. it, it is like a shock to their system to hear that someone doesn't follow Boston sports teams. Like, no, well, I don't... I, I wear don't my know. Red Sox hat, and people ask me about Red Sox stuff all the time, and as we were discussing we earlier, yeah. I was a casual fan. I'm a casual fan, and so, like, sometimes it doesn't register for me, and someone made a comment to me the other day. I was in someplace totally random. Random, and they like pointed at my hat or something and was like, oh, yeah, it's too bad about it. Was, I was in the doctor's office. <laughs> there was an older, older gentleman on his way out. And he was like, oh, you must be pretty happy today. And I was like, I'm still like, you know, the mental Rolodex. What do you know about me? People say the same yeah, thing. Yeah, Applebot Beats. I'm really excited. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not wearing a Red Sox cap. And people say the same things. Like, boy, I couldn't believe it. Like, they don't even say about that game. Like, they're just super happy. They, they, they instantly try to make, they just assume there's yeah. going to be such a connection. Wow, Ortiz and, last night, and, right, man? No, they don't, e- they don't even say a player name. They just like, they just feel like because their odds must be like ninety seven percent in the Boston sure. area. Well, the sure, absolutely, totally or, or could fake it, and, it's and like, like which yeah. I am, I it's, end up doing. Like, a lot. Sorry, dude, you pulled the green potato chip out of the bag. I got <laughs> nothing for you. <laughs> well, do you think I was curious you to know? Have a card. It was like right. this conversation is brought to you by Giant right. Glass, serving homes <laughs> in the Boston area. Since I, I get that, yeah. Uh, yeah um, I, well, there's a. I, I was curious to know if you guys think that there's an impact of. 
of your your profession in this because I was thinking back to you were talking about people like being naturally gregarious and talking to people like my first job was doing IT stuff and I worked at you know a library and I basically went around and like hooked up people's computers and things like that. And, and, and that I was expected you know I talked to people like I just constantly like I was always going to their office helping them with something and I feel like you know there was certainly a social skill that developed as part of that it's like I have to interact with people on a day to day basis and you know you're certainly more willing to talk to people in that way but I, I don't know if there's a an element of that like what you end up doing as a reflection yeah. of your in my in my jobs as a computer programmer <laughs> I spent a lot of time talking I, to people when I worked in, in my entire career I it's I don't know. Well, you go the, type, you type for a little while and then you go. I'm in. I don't right? know. That's what <laughs> you do. Okay. Like, but like you would think. Okay, so like I said, you're in the computer lab. If you're a computer programmer and your room filled with computer programmers, you might assume that everybody around you is like you. And like uh, certainly your odds go up that they're going to share the interest with you or whatever. But like, for example, in the job that I have now, when I started, you know, talk to people around me, I was shocked to learn. At a certain point, I did this because, like, my confidence level is up because I'm with a bunch of programmers, right? And I'm a programmer, and I feel like I'm in the thing. John, you're the I, programmer. At a, at, <laughs> that's how I feel sometimes at work. Anyway, it's, <laughs> at a certain point, at a certain point, I said to the entire room after talking to the person to my left and the person to my right who I was friendly with or whatever, if you have heard of Jonathan Colton in this room, raise your hand. And like. One percent of the hands come up, and then you're like, "I really am alone." Like I'm, I'm amongst pro- like who you know. This thing- was a child. <laughs> but like thing- again, because you think, well, you like you're a computer programmer, and I'm a computer programmer, but but are you like super into computer programming? You go home and you read yeah. blogs about computer, or do you just come in and go to work? And like, what things are you into? And like the thing is, there is a diversity. You know, yes. like the guy who sits next to me is is on an ultimate frisbee team, and like, and he might be thinking everyone here plays ultimate, and he might be shocked to learn that even I probably computer- know him. Even you are sick, and I am nerds, sick, but you are not like me. <laughs> right. I mean, we do have common ground, but like even within even within those circles, like I mean, I'm I'm in that in that environment, I'm confident enough to, to be insulted by the fact that these people don't haven't all seen seen all the Star Wars movies <laughs> and don't know who Jonathan Colton is and, you know, all these things like that. I'm not assuming they're all following every Apple move, you know what I mean? But like it's, Give me something, right? And mm-hmm. you know, so that's the difference. Do we like, have anything in common? It's, it's the way. It's the way that. It's the way the guy feels when they try to bring up a sports thing to me, and they're just yeah. you know insulted by the fact that I would be living in the city and not following all or just well, before befuddled so, yeah. even if it's not insulted. So but, what yeah. this comes back to in so many different ways is enthusiasm. People have enthusiasm for different things, and you're trying to find a common bond and a way to do it. And I would actually argue that people who are who are are nerds, people who are geeky. The thing that defines them in some ways is enthusiasm. Sometimes, kind of out, perhaps too much of control. Yeah. Every time you right? say this, I can't help but picture Robert De Niro in The Untouchables talking about a man becomes prominent. He's expected to have enthusiasm, <laughs> <laughs> but it's really passion, right? That's that's it's it's that's passion. What the, that's what the, the theater person would say. Yes, well, yeah, that's right. So this, uh, one more story. It's just like when I when I went to to college. My college was like a graduate program for undergraduate students and so everybody was working on theses and junior theses and senior theses and so whenever you'd go to a party it would be like if you were What's going your, to a, your thesis well yeah. no it's it's what are you working on and no. it's like i knew i i was really good friends with people in college who you know their their major what they were concentrating on uh, was like genome therapy and and splitting and cloning genes and like but they were able to talk we were able to talk in the same language despite not you know or English. like a same the same translation 
You know, but seriously, you, like because you, you could understand obsession with a weird thing. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yep. Passion it. with passion, yeah. rather than and even if this, even if the languages weren't the same, you were talking in the yeah. same and dialect. You had the, your or, shared yeah. experience was we are both interested in things that most people don't understand. Exactly, in, in a way that most people can't relate to. And even if we can't relate to each other's things, we can relate to the experience of being interested of being in interested things. in exactly. things that exactly. other people are not yeah. necessarily interested. Mm-hmm. in. But, I mean, I think I mean we, getting back to the incomparable. I think that's why a lot of people who listen to the incomparable can listen to it even if they're not into comics. Or they or haven't read the book. Or, or they, even if yeah. they're like, you know, I don't read comics at all, but I like hearing you guys talk enthusiastically about comics because I'm enthusiastic about, you know, Doctor Who or whatever, something else that you also talk about that also is marginal and not commonly found. And not, not just interest, like, because everyone's in, you know, everyone goes to see the Marvel movies, but you're really into comic. And like, it's <laughs> well, a different... There, it's there's a different commonalities degree. too, right? And, and, and a comic book fan would say that I'm not, John. That's right, actually... Well, yeah. There's yeah. gradations. Yeah. Why the incomparable is not about everyone. anything is that I'm not <laughs> so enthusiastic about any subject that I would do a whole podcast about it. Just Except Dungeons and that. Dragons, apparently, and I don't know how that happened. Anyway. Oh, but, yeah, but you're right. Yeah, yeah, you're, yeah. you're right about... that to McNulty. The enthusiasm thing is interesting. and I mean, there are certain commonalities between those types of things, right? Like fantastic elements or whatever, things that go beyond the what happens in the real world, you know. There are certainly, it's easier, there's like a gateway drug, right, to it. Like, if you're interested in this thing, you might be interested. You may also be interested in these other things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, But I think, yeah, the enthusiasm thing, I think, is a big part of our our nerdery, right? Like, the thing that we nerd out about or geek out about. Inappropriate enthusiasm. Too much enthusiasm for a thing that doesn't have any bearing on your livelihood most of the time unless you're super enthusiastic about it. Like, you know what I mean? Like, Is anybody really enthusiastic about things that bear on their livelihood? I feel like... That's like the well, stuff you do because like, it, it has to. I mean, be we're enthusiastic like. about Apple. Yeah, but we're yeah. that again. I, John would argue we are in the small percentage. I think of people who are super enthusiastic about something that happens to, to over, overlap job. with what we do for work. Well, I don't work. know about that. Well, I but, think they're. But that's what, like when you get into the, the mediums. It's like, all right, we all like to go to the movies. We all go see a fun movie or whatever. But if you're like super into movies and you see every movie <laughs> mm-hmm. and you think you might want to make a movie someday, you become a marginal. Not because you're into movies, but it's because it's inappropriate. You're into them too much, right. and, and like, you can't. And, you know too much. And, if, and it's like, well, do you make movies for a living? Well, no, but I would like to. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And like they don't have video stores anymore for you to be a character. Yeah. Yeah. The, the appropriate thing for you to do is to you to have a regular job and do regular things and go see fun movies, and not for you to be. That's like, literally what my I have a cousin. My cousin, oh, one of my other cousins' husbands, writes like reviews of movies and goes to like you know a hundred movies a year, and like he works in. He works at like Safeway. Not as like a grocery store, but like as a, a, a yeah. sales guy right. or something. And like, but and that's what he does. That's he, that's his, his job. Hobby. His hobby is different. Mm-hmm. His movies. Yeah. So yeah. and some pe- for some people they they don't have that, but I think there are others who do. You know, it just it depends on what you're doing with your life. It depends on how you how you make your job. Like some people, for me, like I know I couldn't I couldn't have a job that I wasn't passionate about because I would you know I would slack off. I would I would not be. A good yep. worker. I, I've had those jobs. Yeah, yeah, they suck. They suck. They're not worth doing. One of my favorite uh, comments we've ever gotten about the podcast is, I think, fits into this, which is somebody who, and, I, and forgive me, mysterious writer, because I don't remember your name and I don't remember your state. I think maybe it was South Dakota, but it could have been Montana. But it was, I live here in the middle of nowhere or on the edge of nowhere in Montana or Wyoming or some Great Plains state that's far away and very cold and doesn't have a lot of people. And I, I go outside and I'm walking around and I'm listening to the podcast and I've got I've got nobody around who shares my interest and enthusiasm. But when I listen to the podcast, I feel like 
I'm with a group of friends who all like these things, and I'm part of it, even though I, you know, e- either they can't say anything or they just say things and we ignore them. <laughs> I mean, wait, this is the downside of the podcast. But it's that we love you, that, mysterious lo- listener, whoever yeah. you yeah. are. You're that, our friend too. That's the, that makes me. That's don't put on a jacket. You'll die. You'll catch <laughs> your death of cold out there. <laughs> we wouldn't want that. But I, I, I like that, and it speaks to. Being enthusiastic and seeking other people who have who share some of your enthusiasms, enjoying that people are enthusiastic about things. I do think when you talk about passion, that is part of the appeal of discussions like this. Is um, it's really fun to listen to somebody who is excited about something and genuinely loves it and is interested in it because our world is full of a lot of sort of cynicism and people who don't like things and people who are are doing things because they have to and it's often frowned upon socially to be enthusiastic and passionate about Mm -hmm. something. So I think that's an aspect of it and I do think what we talked about here about how we don't always find those people around us and so you seek them out and we've all sort of interacted and met each other through a lot of the tech circles found this commonality which was more likely John because of what we were running and now we have this relationship with this interesting amorphous group of people you know that is done almost entirely through Skype because most of us don't live I mean you three actually live closer to one another than almost anybody else on the panel so um it, it just I, that comment, which I love, uh, seems to really touch a lot of the the reasons why we do this, the reasons why people want to listen to it, and also sort of like the search that we all kind of go through in mm-hmm. in in thinking about this stuff. Dan gave me a thumbs up. I which, gave you a thumbs up because no I felt one like, can see on the internet. Well, that was more of a thumbs up to like, yeah, that seems like a good wrap right. up. Right. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well, yeah, I was. I, it was a nice. Yeah. It was a nice coda. I felt like. I think so too. All right. Well, there there may be more. Uh, to this podcast, so you should stay tuned. But I'm going to close out this segment of The Incomparable where we talked about all sorts of very interesting things. And for something that I had no idea how it was going to go, I thought it went great. So I want to thank the people who helped make it be great. Dan Morin, I am deeply disappointed in your healthy middle school experience. <laughs> you, you want the Seriously. best part of it? I have an ongoing D&D group these days with four players and one DM. Of that group, three of us have known each other since a high school or like since middle school, like of the players and our DM, we've all known each other since middle school. We have one guy who we have met after that, <laughs> but like that's—I know it's abnormal. Man, it's abnormal. That guy's going to be the new guy forever. <laughs> yeah, sorry, Keith. You know you're not listening to this, but you are going to be the new guy forever. Forever. Uh, also here, Serenity Caldwell, who we learned many things about. We learned that she posed as a as an adult <laughs> while she was the very statute young of limitations are up on that. around Copa violations. Veterinary, veterinary school is the best part of yeah, that. Yeah, it really is. The backstory, a rich backstory. I know. Of course, you I did. To be a vet. That, in one, in some respects, you are mainstream stereotypical. You, you went. You went to the. Um, you went to the school with the strangest uh, middle school dress code ever, <laughs> and uh, and you are a person who has uh, enthusiasm and. And, and passion for things like radio theater and masks, which is very. Stay tuned for the mask podcast. It's coming. There's an it un- will there's, happen. I will talk everyone's ear off there about the media. Thank you, Jason. There is an untapped depth of knowledge there that we need to now mine. I know. I, I don't know how. If everybody wants to know about uh, we mine the radio theater, the radio theater part we mine though. True. That's yep, you got to you got to say. What I'm saying there's a whole other vein that we need to get into there. Masks. Maybe not good for radio. Again. I think the incomparable puppet show will be coming to your <laughs> your town soon. So get ready for video that. cast. It's the future. Oh, all right, puppet puppet cast, Ma- mask cast. Mask it's hard cast. to say, mask cast. We'll have to mask work cast. on that. We'll work on it. And of course, 
it's always a pleasure to be in the same room, even if it's a little tiny, hot, cramped room with John Syracuse. Thank you. I thought we didn't leave room for anybody else. I thought this was it. Didn't we just fill the whole show 200? <laughs> Are you saying you're going to try to put other people in here, I too? think that we'll have... I'm trying to put some special, like, uh, maybe even some listener-related stuff at the end, just for, for kicks. All right. I just didn't want to feel like we didn't fill it up, because I thought we... Oh, no. <laughs> we, we talked this, a lot. John's on a podcast. He this, likes to fill it up if, all the if, way. If episode 200 were a normally-sized episode, this would be the whole episode. But I think maybe there'll be some other stuff Jumbo on it. Size matters not. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's it costs twice as much too. So yeah, I got your Star Wars references. I I know you're you know Just live long size, live long and prosper. As well, you should not. My eyes, the force. Sorry, okay. go ahead. Yeah, <laughs> that's right. Nerds. I played dice baseball. In Nerds. <laughs> the only way to end this podcast. Yep. Nerds. Yes, and thus thus ends this segment of this episode. We're back with uh, another exciting segment of episode 200, and I have a, a giant panel of, of people oh, here. Oh, it's exciting. It is exciting. Steve Lutz. That was Steve Lutz. Hi, Steve. Hi, Jason. I'm excited. Uh, can you tell? I can. Did you? Are you on muscle relaxants? Uh, I wish I was, but no, I'm just high on life. But Greg Noss is. Hi, Greg. Muscle relaxants for everybody. Yeah. All right. Okay. Pa- pass them around. Um, David Lore is also out there. Hi, David. Hello there. I'm I'm stone cold sober tonight. All right, good. so far. That's er- Erica Ensign also out there. Hello, hello. Yeah, I'm drinking coffee. I'm going the other direction. Wow, bold move, bold move. <laughs> uh, Monty Ashley. Hi, Monty. Hi, Jason. Good to have you here. Thank you. Um, a, a rare uh, cameo appearance by Glenn Fleischman. Hi, Glenn. Who? I'm here. Yeah, I don't know what happened. I, I, it must be an accident. Don't Thank let you. it happen again. Uh, no, it's good to have you here. And then we have um, two people who were, who were on a previous segment of this episode. Dan Morin. Hi, Dan. Hello. Wait, was I on that segment? No. Yes. In spirit. <laughs> no, John Syracuse was. I know. He's out there somewhere. I'm, I'm high on life, Jason. And podcasting. All right, so here's what's happening now. I've I've asked you guys together here to celebrate this 200th episode of the Incomparable. Um, we're gonna we're gonna talk about some some. Uh, so a few weeks ago, I asked the listeners on Twitter to share some of their favorite moments. Oh no! From the Incomparable, that was a huge mistake. Um, and and we're gonna and we're gonna get to those, but we're going to start um, with. Uh, Something that you knew we had to do because I love it so much. It is a draft. A draft. Yeah. Oh no! Uh, and you got you guys are thinking. Wait a second. How could this be that there is a draft? Because you, I haven't asked you to prepare anything, and that's true. I haven't asked you to prepare anything. With the first pick in the incomparable 200 episode draft by listeners is listener Scott. Hello, Incomparable. Thanks for letting me contribute to episode 200. My name is Scott Williams, and I've been listening to the show ever since the first hour's episode. For my pick, I choose show number 166. I assume everyone is awful. This episode dealt with how you can appreciate art created by people you don't agree with, namely Mr. Orson Scott Card. Too often, arguments like this are flung back and forth over Twitter with no context and no nuance. I chose this episode because it was the antithesis of that. It's got smart people talking about something controversial, but digging into it without trying to condense everything into a sarcastic soundbite. Also, it has Hitler jokes, and that's good enough for me. Thanks again. 
I can't believe Scott couldn't make it tonight because essentially the episode he titled is number one in the incomparable episode draft. Can we get that Scott instead? So listener Scott here enjoys it when we're littered with politics is what he's saying. Yeah, the, our most recent iTunes review, by the way, says that we are a terrible people for doing episode 166. So <laughs> interesting. I'm getting, I'm getting mixed signals, Jason. Me too, Dan. Me too. Me too. But Scott, he, you may know him as Swilliams in the chat room. Oh, he sure. liked it. Oh, oh sure. that's, that's Scott. Scott. Listener Swilliams. We know him well. He gets extra points for, for starting when really when the podcast actually began with the Star Wars episodes. Yeah. Good job, uh, listener Scott. Uh, with the second pick in the incomparable episode draft is listener James. Hi, this is James Callen from Seattle, Washington. And I have been listening to The Incomparable since just about the beginning. And one of its great strengths as a podcast is that it is a show for enthusiasts. It's not that people are never critical or panelists never have anything negative to say about things. But overall, topics are chosen and discussed by people who enjoy them. Which is why... Episode 136, when they finally got around to tackling the first of the Star Wars prequels, The Phantom Menace, (laughs) was so incredibly satisfying. It's not that they habitually rip things a new one. It's that after celebrating Star Wars, all three of the original trilogy, after celebrating so many other things, they finally let go uncorked let a rip the ground is a good way negativity that so many of them and so many of us have felt and thoroughly thoroughly hashed it into the ground would i want every episode to be like this no would i like even a quarter of all episodes to be like this one no but when they are well done when they go like this it was a great moment thanks for a great show guys Oh, thank you, listener James. Unabashed loathing is really just another form of enthusiasm, really. (laughs) This is true. This is true. So, you know, we did, this is, you know, that's our reward, I think. It's not much of a reward, but that's our reward for watching episode one, is it's the second pick in the episode draft. Wow. Yeah, okay, um, we have a couple of unorthodox picks coming. Um, Our next pick is from from, uh, listener Jeff. Hey gang, this is Jeff in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, and I'll take favorite podcast episodes for a pink piece of pie. Yes, gentle listeners, I'm talking about the Trivial Pursuit game, episode 184B, or After Dark, episode 449, if you happen to be playing the Genus 2 edition. The whole time I was listening to the podcast when I wasn't screaming, Oh, come on! When a player didn't know what I thought was a pretty obvious answer, I was trying to figure out how I could put together a similar online game of Trivial Pursuit with my own friends. In short, it was the most fun I've had listening to a podcast in quite some time. Happy 200 episodes to the entire Incomparable family. We're all looking forward to another 200 great shows. Thanks, guys. Another 200 great shows, implying that the first 200 were all great, which I might question. Totally true. Totally true. With the possible exception of the one that he likes, I would say that's probably pretty accurate. Which is even counted in the 200. It's it's like, I, you know that phrase, I hope you had as much fun uh, listening as we had creating it? I, I think... Uh, Isn't that the, uh, the motto of Total Party Kill? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I enjoyed the first, like, eight hours of that Trivial Pursuit game. It was only at the end there when the, it, it, it sucked my will to live away. That episode was great because I won. 
<laughs> have more games, which I win. Win faster, Monty. That's my feedback to you. Win faster. <laughs> this is how Just, his wizard dies. Out of curiosity, is is Weeb Eubank still with us? Weeb Eubank will always be with us. Uh-huh. Uh, but is he dead or alive? Uh, I think uh, he's dead. I would like died in nineteen ninety eight. I'm happy to hear that because <laughs> his, wow, his presence in that episode <laughs> made me angry. No, I mean, Sorry, Weeb. Sorry, Weeb. Well, he's dead. He doesn't care now. Yeah. All right. So that that was our third pick. Was actually not an episode at all, but an After Dark <laughs> and a and a uh, Total Party Kill spinoff episode too. Um, <laughs> That's obscure. That's deep catalog right there. Here, here. Uh, this this next one is from our, my listener listener Joe. We may also know him as Joe Steele, and uh, he has another unorthodox choice. I'm Joe Rosensteel. My draft pick is After Dark 423, which contains the bits cut out of Incomparable 173, Santa-based Christmas. If you've not listened to the episode or the After Dark, I have two words for you, human centipede. Mentally splice the edited bits back into the episode, like a podcast centipede of the mind, and you'll hear the dark brilliance of the incomparable panelists. Phil's Richard Burton is enough to make anyone ask for an incomparable old movie club about who's afraid of Virginia Woolf. David Lore is Elmo exclaiming, no, Mr. Noodle, the barrel goes in your mouth. Should make anyone laugh until they hurt. The Oedipal discussion surrounding I Saw Mommy Kissing Santa Claus is precisely what people should think about during the holidays, including Steve's theory that the song is sung by a middle-aged man with tears and mascara running down his face, singing to another man, tied to a chair. Phil brings up the human centipede, but it's later on when Lisa brings it up as a metaphor for a Christmas song that the panel breaks Jason. You can hear him collapse. It is my favorite moment from any incomparable episode and why I selected it for the draft. Hire that man. I'm with you, Joe. Oh, man. I, I I know I can remember exactly where I was and what I was feeling when I collapsed There's into weeping. I remember Chalk hearing outline you. on the floor of your garage from that episode. Yeah, the tears, the tears and mascara running down my face. While wait, wait, no. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. Okay, this is, this is why he's forced to be in the garage. So, this yeah. is recording. Yeah, yeah. That was that one. Uh, that one happened when I was still in the in the in the house proper, and that was I think the last one. Uh, <laughs> and then it was yeah. like out to the garage, take it outside, take it outside. <laughs> um, I, I was in danger of waking the entire house screaming with laughter, and I had to keep hitting the mute button just because. Mm. Yeah, that was a good one, and that that was the episode that also we um I, I, we were recording it like literally I think the day before it was supposed to come out we had um the t- so mm-hmm. I, I I needed it to be a really tight episode <laughs> that didn't require any editing and it was the most editing I've done for any episode. Yeah, the the unedited version is available. Um, I'll put a link in the show notes uh, as a uh, as a bonus track. Now you can actually just listen to the whole ridiculous thing as it as it unfolded. If you are a glutton for punishment. I don't think I want to relive that. No, no. Maybe at the holidays, if I'm feeling maybe. really angry. Oh, uh, that's a great episode. That's an even better after dark. I'm right with you, Joe. All right. So our fifth pick, and I should say these these um I had them give a, give me three choices because I knew people were going to cover up other people's picks. So these are literally um, the first person uh, who came out of the random number generator and picked an episode got it. Uh, nobody else picked the human centipede uh, after dark though. So good job, Joe Steele. Uh, Joe Rosensteel, by the way, totally a fake name, not a real name, can't be a real name, fake, fake, fake. Clearly fake. uh, Listener Seth is next. Here he goes. Hi there, I'm Seth from the Pavement Founders podcast. For my selection, I went with episode 99, Convenient Store Clerk of Dune, a summer reading list. Really, though, I could have gone with any of the reading list episodes because I love all of them. One of the great things about The Incomparable, of course, is the rotating panel of guests. And in the reading list episodes in particular, this is a real asset because the types of recommendations you get can vary from episode to episode, and they're almost always good. 
One of the other things I like is that the panelists are not afraid to recommend a book and also recommend not reading follow-up books in a series. This has the effect of keeping one's reading list manageable, while, of course, the rest of the episode makes a reading list completely unmanageable. It's a first-world problem, and I thank you very much for contributing to it. All right, very nice. Another <laughs> McNulty-related thing, and he's not here to get the adulation. But I love those reading list episodes, because it's just like we're bringing out a load of stuff and mm-hmm. dumping it down, and then people on Twitter generally say, oh my god, now I have so many books to read. But that's the idea. That was like the original Incomparable episode. Yeah, oh yeah, the episode one was really... Episode one is basically a reading list, yeah. Yeah, it's just a whole giant load of books. Yeah. That's true. We didn't know what we were doing then. It's not like it had a theme. We just kind of made it up as we went along. People like it. We do book episodes? Yeah, definitely. I had no idea. All of tweets where people say, I just finished reading such and such because I heard it on The Incomparable. Yeah. And the lists are so long that often those come like a year after we picked it. <laughs> Did we? All right. Many thousands of years ago. Uh, all right. Listener, listener Kieran is next. Hello, Incomparable listeners. My name is Kieran Healy. I'm a college professor. And because I'm from Ireland, I also sell beautiful pine furniture. (laughs) (laughs) One of my favorite incomparable episodes is episode 59, Flitting is In. This is the companion episode to what I think is the earliest draft show. The panelists start having already drafted a roster of TV characters in the previous episode and are charged with pitching them as a new show. The pitches are great, everyone is in good form, and the material ranges from the merely weird to the definitely misguided to the certifiably insane. Steve. <laughs> the most memorable what? effort by far, I think, is undoubtedly John Syracuse's virtuoso repurposing of a motley group of characters with the goal, in his own words, of reanimating the corpse of a much-loved series that died much too soon. Ah, he got it, John. <laughs> he figured it out. He figured out you were doing Firefly. I'm so Firefly. excited to hear Kieran Healy's voice and his actual accent. I think that I think that episode really made that draft shine where we had to actually take those characters and assemble them into something. A lot of the feedback about drafts is that we don't do anything with uh, things we assemble. We just say, yep, there's a list, and then we walk away. I, I think that was our <laughs> feedback when you started doing yeah. drafts. You said, Jason, what's the point? At the end, we just have these yep. lists. And you're like, no, that's how drafts work. Yep, that's it. The teams, teams draft players, and then they'd never play. <laughs> that's right. And let's play dice baseball. Yeah, exactly. That's right. We could I do think that. Technically, that was the uh, second draft. The first one being the canceled shows draft, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, yeah. correct. I think you might yes. be right. Good, good knowledge. Good trivia there. Yeah. Wow. I'm good that way. I'm I wasn't impressed. actually on that one, so I've only heard rumors. Comparable trivia show. I would not do well. Yeah. The um, if it was a trivia show about Merlin Mann's podcast, you would win, though, John. I would do very well. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, okay, master of canon. The next, uh, the next is, is listener Brian, who actually was on like four episodes of the TV podcast the last couple of months. Uh, our buddy Brian Hamilton, and uh, this is a pick that I expected to come sooner. Quite frankly, my favorite thing about the Incomparables always been that you know, just from listening, you could tell how much everyone involved loves what they do on the show. You know, you can hang out with these people for a few hours and just listen to them talk about the things that they really love, and it's so obvious that they love them so much. And for me, there's never been a higher point for that kind of palpable love for geek culture than the radio show episode. I remember listening to it April Fool's last year after a really, really late night trip from New York to Boston. I downloaded it. I played it. I had no idea what I was getting into because it starts off with that fake out. Oh, you're listening to The Incomparable. We're going to talk about Radio Static and then everything changes. And the description for the episode was, how much do we love radio dramas? This much. 
all of the references that are thrown in there to not only, you know, geek culture, but to the show itself. I thought it was the pinnacle of everything the incomparable means to me and what it means to really love this world of geek culture that we're all in. Uh, good job, David. Close up shop, guys. We're done. We'll never top it. No, nope. it was the pinnacle. Hang on, hang on. One more for safety. <laughs> What's that? No, no, don't start it. Don't. So, did he tragically die before he heard the second radio show? Or? No, that, that one just wasn't as good. He's, 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 he's living backwards in time. All like downhill Merlin. from there. The other Merlin. And then you did basically the same joke, and it was okay, I guess. Thanks, yeah. love the show, Bob. <laughs> it's never the same as the first time you hear a fake radio drama. I think that's the lesson. To- uh, creepier you had, Jason. You had the little warning with the Christmas one. You know, you kind of knew what it was going to be. Yeah. But yeah, I, the the fake out. I mean, I still love listening to that moment where you know it's normal. So yeah, no, I, I can yeah. I can imagine. I, it was weird because I recorded that you know by myself, and it was like trying to pretend that I was on a podcast, even though there were no guests. And I think coming out of it, I actually talked to Scott, who isn't there, and, and mm-hmm. that was weird. That was weird. Wow, it's the most you've ever talked in. Yeah, I know. That's the episode we'll never hear is the one where Scott talked the whole time. <laughs> he doesn't say much. So, you know, now he has a whole podcast where he has to talk because, you know, he can't hide. It's, it's just him and one other person. So, all right. Uh, we're up to um, listener Don. Hello, I'm Don from Austin, Texas. For my incomparable draft, I selected episode 46. I like my coffee like my evil Sith Lords. And the companion episode, Death Star University. You don't get two. You don't get two, by the way. (laughs) This episode originally aired in June 2011 and features Jason, Scott, Syracuse, Greg, and Dan speaking about the geek movie of all geek movies. Star Wars. In many ways, this episode isn't particularly insightful or groundbreaking, but I did enjoy everyone's take on different aspects of the movie, from the actors, the music, and the visual effects. Like many of the panelists, I grew up not having not known Star Wars. Listening to him speak about it was like sitting around with some friends reminiscing. Oh, and Scott's a bad man. (laughs) For those of you out there that are newer listeners to The Incomparable, I recommend going back to listen to it if you haven't already. It's one of those podcast episodes that can be listened to repeatedly. Another gem is that it also reveals the origin of The Incomparable as a title for the show. I leave it for you to check ah. out. Thanks a lot for a good episode, guys. Okay, you t- now technically, again, Don only picked episode forty-six. You can only pick one episode. He tried to sn- be sneaky there and pick two. And I don't know why. Still on the board. I don't know why. On the board. Why he wants two episodes that are not groundbreaking, <laughs> particularly, but or insightful. <laughs> yeah, the insightful things about the hurts. Yeah. As a southpaw, I have to say I understand a. Uh, I recognize a left-handed insult when I break. Great. Greg, this is your chance to say things about how Star Wars is better than The Empire Strikes Back. You picked the, the best Star Wars. Yeah, all right. Good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. Uh, Erica, I swear there are some more recent ones in here that you've actually you've actually heard. <laughs> we'll get there. But, you know, I, I have no control. It's the listeners. They're doing that. That's why listener jo- Joey sent this in. Also old. Hi, my name is Joey Drews, and I'm from Robertsdale, Alabama. I chose episode 58 of The Incomparable, which was the TV fantasy draft. And this is the now infamous episode where Steve Lutz drafted Skeletor. Yeah! Infamous, he said. And I chose this episode because I was grocery shopping at Walmart while (laughs) listening to this episode. And I was laughing so hard that I had to brace myself against an aisle and people (laughs) walked by and just thought i was absolutely crazy 
Oh, you can see that in Walmart every day. And that's really <laughs> saying something in Walmart. Totally snaked you, Greg. Oh man. Uh, Wait, so is that valid? Because that was is it's moments, not episodes. No, he, he you know he chose he gets fifty eight. He gets episode fifty eight. And it includes the Skeletor moment, which, you know, really, there's other stuff that happens in that episode, but whatever. Every episode has a Skeletor moment. <laughs> yeah. There are many Skeletor moments to choose from. <laughs> that's, that's a good point. That's a, that's a great story. I, I think we've all had those moments. I, I certainly have had those moments waiting at the bus stop where I'm listening to a funny podcast and I start to laugh and I realize the people around me think that I am a, having a seizure right now because this was that funny. Podcasts are a kind of seizure. Yeah, that is. It's a seizure you listen to. Uh, <laughs> it's a good way to keep people from talking to you on the bus. Yeah, that's true. All right. Uh, so good job, Steve. Good job. Hooray! What have you done for us lately? That was like uh, 142 episodes ago. Oh, I don't know. I feel like I still can get another year of mileage out of Skeletor yeah. before I, it's got to I'm, I'm noticing a little trend in this. Uh, yeah, I have picked. Noticing a little trend. Are you not in any of these episodes? Yeah, that would be correct. <laughs> well, no, you're in the radio drama. You're, you're not yes. in many episodes, period. You're all the over the radio drama. insulted radio drama. Glenn, yes, I was Glenn, in that one. are you just fishing for us to point out that the TV draft is your idea yet again? That's true. Thank you. I was not. That's true. And then you didn't show up. Thanks, <laughs> Glenn. Up, so. Oh, that backfired. Yeah. All right. You're a very handsome man, Glenn, and a lot of people like you. Here is, here is listener Neil with another selection, more, a, more, a more current selection. It's from the last 50. Amazing. So we haven't gone completely downhill. You mean after the show went downhill? Yeah. Yeah. It's... <laughs> Hello. My name is Neil Posner, and I'm a fan of the incomparable living in San Diego, California. My pick for the episode draft is episode 158, part one of the second movie festival. It's an episode that really captures a lot of what I love about the show. Everyone on the panel sounds like they're having a blast recording this episode, uh, and that really comes through in listening to it. Each member of the panel approached the premise from a slightly different direction, so there was some real diversity in the choices. I heard some really great discussion about movies I had already seen and really, really enjoy, like Sneakers. I heard some really fascinating (laughs) discussion of movies I'd heard a lot about but had never actually seen before, like The Taking of Pelham 123. That compelled me to then go watch that movie. And uh, I really enjoyed it. (laughs) Uh, But for me, the real real magic of the show uh, is, and particularly of this episode... Uh, was was hearing about something that was absolutely in the butter zone of my geek life. Well, I have a real soft spot for 1980s action movies that some people would maybe call bad. So hearing Monty Ashley talk about uh, Kill and Kill Again, which is the spiritual sequel to Kill or Be Killed, and then move into his discussion of the Miami Connection. Yeah. Uh, those movies just sounded absolutely amazing, and I knew I had to seek them out. You're right I in his butter zone, Monty. <laughs> Thank you, Monty, for introducing me to those I movies. I have to go now. <laughs> uh, really, it's an episode where I wished I could be on the panel and part of the discussion. Uh, but at least being able to listen in was a real treat. So thank you, Jason, for uh, 200 amazing episodes. Uh, they brought me many, many hours of enjoyment. And I'm always looking forward to hearing about uh, what you're going to talk about next. So keep up the great work. Uh, and thank you again. Wow. The, and- 
and thank you, Neil, for for teaching me the term butter zone. Yeah, I think you can. <laughs> yeah. wow. with the explicit tag of this episode now? That's going to show up again. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying really hard to come up with a definition for that that isn't filthy. There's, it's just not coming. It's like, it's like in your fridge door where there's that little compartment where you put it. That's the butter zone. <laughs> if yeah. that's your favorite zone and, and you spend a lot of time hanging out in the butter drawer, then that makes a lot of sense. Dirty man, Dan. I'm trying to figure out why none of you have heard this term before, that, but I have. If I can teach one person to love Kill and Kill Again and Miami Connection. <laughs> You've done your job. Then there's no hope for humanity. You've done enough damage. <laughs> That's all I got. All right, listener Dan is going way, way back into uh, the past for our earliest selection so far. Hi, Jason. This is Dan Worsh, or at nerd.is on Twitter. Yippee-ki-yay, my fellow incomparable fans. <laughs> the Die Hard episode, also known as episode 17, is one of my favorites, mainly because it helped me broaden my definition of holiday movies. After I heard this episode back in December 2010, I immediately added Die Hard to my holiday watch list. And uh, later on, I also added some others, including Gremlins, which, while it makes my family sometimes confused, I love watching it at that time of year. Another big reason for me is that episode 17 is sort of like the proto-holiday vault, because after the lengthy discussion on Die Hard, it also broadens into a discussion of holiday movies in general, covering 14 more movies before they finish up the episode. I also enjoy wow. that it's a, it's a rare rated R incomparable episode. It's, it's fun to uh, hear the guys totally unfiltered, <laughs> as opposed to uh, having to wait for uh, an After Dark I'm also a big fan of the draft episodes in general, and as an early incomparable episode, uh, this serves as sort of a precursor to what we would later know as uh, kind of the standard draft episodes. Uh, ultimately, episode 17 <laughs> leaves me with one major question. Did Jason ever get around to seeing Home Alone? Thanks for <laughs> hundreds of hours of entertainment. And here's to hundreds more. I still haven't seen Home Alone. Jason hasn't seen it. No. Oh, man. <laughs> you don't even know your own theme song, Dan. That's not, it's a different thing, John. Totally yeah. different reference. Yeah, totally. Not playing with yeah. Jason. Yes, but the now. name of the game, but it's not Lex hasn't seen he it. He references 100 hours of entertainment. <sighs> Die Hard. Yeah, that was, um, that was before we were on 5x5, five five and I just put a, cause, cause Dan Benjamin doesn't like, like swearing in the feed at all. And I, for that episode, I just put well, a thing on the front. Yeah. Oh, my. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> so, so um, I put a little disclaimer on the front of it that said, "Hey, this is an R-rated movie, and if you can't handle the salty language, then don't listen. If you've got people in around you, you know, just a little disclaimer. Alternatively, blast it as loud as possible. Yeah, exactly. You honestly cannot discuss Die Hard without swearing. It's just not possible. You can't do it. You can dance around the yippee kaye thing, but no, no." To discuss it properly, you have to fully unleash the MF. All right, should we move on? There, no, there are, there let's, are more, let's stop here. There are more picks. <laughs> oh, there's wow. more. How many fans do we have? Behind. You never know what you might find under <laughs> pick number 12. Hello, my name is Frank Kruger. I'm a software developer from Seattle, Washington, and I would like to draft episode 67, Darth Vader's Office is Really Weird. 
This is a retelling of The Empire Strikes Back. Retelling. Retelling instead of a review or anything like that. Because it really is. You can shut your eyes, sit back, and have the incomparable crew, scene by scene, almost line by line, tell you everything they know about The Empire Striking Back. It's really fantastic. There's audio from the movie mixed in. There are great lines. My favorite's from John Syracuse saying, I bet he's going to use that force thing. Oh, and the (laughs) opening is hilarious with everyone doing their impersonation of the Imperial probe droid. (laughs) Everyone's having fun. It's hard not to have fun with them. And for that reason, episode 67 is my draft pick. Retelling. That is a good way of saying (laughs) it's longer than the movie. (laughs) I'm sort of creeped out by the way he listens to the podcast, though. Eyes closed. It's in his butter zone. <laughs> well, maybe he's creeped out by the way you do the podcast. Ah, uh, it could but, be. And he should be. Yeah. It's only right. It's only fitting. All right. That was very nice. I, I knew there would be a bunch of Star Wars episodes here. It just had to be, right? That's what people always ask. Is uh, nerd sweet? Is it right in the buttery zone? It is. It's in the butter zone. It's, it's not the buttery. Butter. It's not the blue butter. Though. It's not the oh, it buttery is, zone. It is Dan. now. <laughs> I always wanted the podcast to skip Star Wars. I wanted us to do everything, but not Star Wars. Just always have it be the elephant in the room that's never touched. Sorry, sorry, Greg. I was wrong because they're really good episodes. <laughs> we touch, we touched that elephant, Greg. <laughs> <Touch> the elephant. <laughs> we we touched the elephant. The butter zone. Inappropriate. <laughs> <laughs> it was not in the butter zone. So, uh, so that's two Star Wars to zero Star Trek. I think is the score Ooh. right now. Yeah, somewhere Scott McNulty is or really maybe mad. Three Star Wars, actually. Yeah. I, I, there was an episode. Well, episode one kind of that subtracts one from the Star Wars total. <laughs> was there any Star Trek in the TV drafts? Uh. Yeah, in the, in the character drafts, there were Star Trek. I, I'm, the show that I created was essentially a cross between West Wing and, and Star Trek. It was uh, The Bridge. You sick Where me. Captain Kirk has a wacky collection of uh, people around him. <laughs> <laughs> All right, uh, let's go back in time with uh, this pick from uh, listener Patrick. One of my favorite episodes is episode 51, Zombie Marmaduke, about the 2011 Hugo nominees. <laughs> I like it so much for three primary reasons. First... Listening to the panel eviscerate feed with so much glee amuses oh, me feed. in a way that I'm a little ashamed to admit. <laughs> Glenn, you were on Second, this one. As I grow older, I find myself with less and less time to read for pleasure. Hearing your thoughtful reviews of the nominees helps me to use that precious reading time to the fullest. Also, listening to the panel compare and contrast the year's nominees helps me to evaluate my own tastes in a new perspective, the way of all good art criticism. Third, and most importantly, you introduced me to The Hundred Thousand Kingdoms and the larger body of work by N.K. Jemison. The Hundred yep. Thousand Kingdoms was yes! breathtaking. I haven't read a book that quickly since I was in middle school. I just couldn't put it down. And then I read the next book in the series, and since then the rest of her novels. The, the mythology she weaves is unique interesting and entertaining. She writes about huge topics in a way that is easy to read. Thank you for bringing her to my attention, and thank you also for letting me to be a part of episode 200 of my favorite podcast. Aww, that's great. That was a, uh, that you know, that was an innocent time if you listen back. We didn't realize that we'd be reading, like, three more books by the author of Feed, Scott and I. We would have had, like, a suicide <laughs> pact if we had known... Man, Good news. she's returning to the feed universe after her brief foray into the other whatever yep. she's writing. Anyway, anyway, that was a that was a very good uh, episode with a lot of a lot of good books in it, right? Right, Glenn, you you remember that one? 
I do. Well, that's one of my favorite books, one of the favorite new authors. I need to go read her uh, next series because I've only read the first three in that one cycle. And she's got she's prolific. Here, this is all the way from South Africa. It's listener Etienne. Hi, this is listener Etienne from South Africa. My favorite film of all time is The Empire Strikes Back. That's why my favorite incomparable episode is number 68, Jedi Weekend. It's the second episode in an epic-length two-parter on Empire, and it focuses on the film from the chase into the asteroid field through to the end. What makes this episode special to me is not only my own appreciation for the film, but the deep and infectious passion for the material displayed by the four panelists, Jason, Serenity, John, and Dan. John and Dan, in particular, have a great rapport in this episode, and a terrific eye for picking out my new detail. As a bonus, you get Dan doing a bunch of live sound effects. To me, this is pretty much the platonic (laughs) ideal of a great incomparable, when the panelists have an obvious passion for the subject of discussion and then take the time to really pull it apart and appreciate it. It is a fantastic episode, and while I enjoy all the episodes on the Star Wars films, yes, even the prequels, for the therapeutic value, this one stands out as the best. Yeah, you know, uh, Dan and I remember very clearly Dan and John going there and that Ren and I, I think he even sent like text messages to each other. Like, let's just let them go. <laughs> they, and they, it was just let them there. They got it. They got this let one. The just let, win, them, let them have it. Yeah. Don't stop them. They're rolling together again. Huh, John? Wouldn't miss it. <laughs> Those are references to Star Wars. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Dad. <laughs> When's the Star Trek part? That reminds me. I believe we have one more Star Wars film that we have to cover. I, I want to be sometime. on that one so bad. Well, until the next next ones start coming out, Steve. <laughs> so here's my my theory: is that for since we we uh, we mentioned the Holiday Vault earlier, how di- the Die Hard was sort of like a proto Holiday Vault, and we then we we stuffed so much stuff in the Holiday Vault that by the time it, we got <laughs> to the third one, it was just kind of nothing left um so so what i'm thinking is rather than do episode three this year perhaps we would do the uh star wars holiday special Ooh. Uh, nice. <laughs> why would we do that jason why i see yeah john and i are on the same page here but jason seems determined to yeah. to hurt us it's just, just it's life day tis the season i just feel life we day. have to get season episode three out before episode seven shows up in theaters yeah well yeah, we got well, 18 months yeah yeah so we'll do We'll do uh, we'll do episode three next year, and then this this holiday season we could do. Uh, but I don't know how it ends, Jason. I'm just waiting to find out. Yeah. <laughs> will Will Anakin Skywalker fall to the dark side? We'll, we'll just wait and see. You'll have to wait, and and then we'll find no. out. No. I could talk for at least forty five minutes about Harvey Corman's head hole in the Star Wars yeah. holiday special. <laughs> yep. Oh, All right, here is uh, so there's Star Wars is so many and nobody has picked any of the Star Trek ones. Now, now that you mentioned oh, that, it's man. making me that much more angry. Here's listener Bob. <laughs> I'm Bob Craddock from Madison, Wisconsin. My episode Bob. choice is number 139, Flying Horse Angel People, which sounds like one of Monty <laughs> Ashley's movie draft picks. But it's actually the incomparable celebration of a wrinkle in time. That's one of my favorite books ever. I still remember the experience of reading it for the first time, right down to the texture of the chair I was sitting in. I always felt a little odd for having a book stick to my brain that way, but listening to this group of people who love it as much as I do was delightful. Their voices just dripped with affection for a wrinkle in time as they talked about how they discovered and devoured the book, leaping around from religion to science to family to totalitarianism to adolescence and sonnets. I was really touched by the connections they drew between the book, themselves, their parents, and their own kids. 
So thanks to Jason, Lisa, David, Wren, and all the rest of the incomparable family who take their love of the things they read and watch and turn that into such a great spectator sport for the rest of us. I don't remember the texture of the chair that I did that episode in, though. He liked to sit in these spiky chairs, so it's yeah. really, he's still got the points in his skin, so that's how he knows. It's a hair chair. Every, you know, hair it's, chair. it's for penitence. It was made of a Wookiee, though. That's the secret story behind that chair. That was a good one. We got we we went, and I remembered reading that book as a kid, but I hadn't read it since. And then we also read the Hope Larson uh, graphic novel that had just come out, you know, a, I think a few months before. Um, and that was a fun conversation. And I think, David, uh, that's where you mentioned for the first time that you were uh, raised in a doll museum. So Yeah, that, that was my first episode. So, wow, yeah. look at that. Yeah. And now you're unstoppable. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just remember... Uh, Unleashing that on poor Moises and Merlin in the fan, in in their fantastic Mister Fox episode, and and there's this pause and Merlin just goes, "What? <laughs> Raised in a doll museum? What? I just assumed so, that was a euphemism <laughs> for what? <laughs> I assume we're going to find out. All of us will find out. Someday. I'll tell you when yeah. you're it's, older. It's in the okay. butter zone. It is. It is in the butter zone. Okay, here is speaking. Speaking of David. Hi, I'm David Ragsdale, and I chose episode 47, part two of the Star Wars discussion. Highlights for me uh, of this see? episode. Acknowledging oh, the awesomeness of the first jump to light speed, including how the rotation of the star field at the end adds so much to the effect. Scott's theory that the TIE fighter pilots wear black, so they're camouflaged in space. The Death Star is the <laughs> ultimate unsafe workplace. Chasms everywhere, no railings, because the Emperor dissolved Space Osha at the same time he dissolved the Galactic Senate. <laughs> John Syracuse's <laughs> argument that John Williams's music acts for Mark Hamill when Luke looks at the dual sunset on Tatooine. That Dan has a laserdisc player dedicated solely to watching Star Wars. Discussion of the special editions, so you get to compliment the general Star Wars love fest with some good George Lucas bitching that yet doesn't rise to the Phantom Menacean or in general prequelian level. And finally, that Greg Noss thinks that Star Wars is a better movie than Empire. <laughs> yes. He's wrong. Empire is wrong. Burn. Eat it, Noss. I, I will be recognized in my time. <laughs> I recognize you, Greg. Thank Do you. Do we get to draft favorite listeners after this, by the way? <laughs> For the death match, yeah. Because I know when they won't make Greg's list. Yeah. <laughs> He's the only one that's mentioned my name. He's my favorite listener ever. <laughs> We're up to the oldest episode that's in this draft, and it is from actually our contest winner. Uh, Dave in Australia. He picked an episode. I'm Dave Gorkroger from Albury, Australia. And my pick nice. is episode eight, Top Men. <laughs> there are a few reasons why this review of Raiders of the Lost Ark continues to be one of my favourites, starting with the fact that it's the first episode of The Incomparable that I ever heard. John Gruber, who appeared on this episode with Jason Snell and Dan Morin, went to the show on Daring Fireball, which is how I found it, <laughs> and after one listen, I became an incomparable fan. This episode has everything that makes the Incomparable podcast great. A group of people talking about something that they love, sharing their own memories and insights, and perhaps even surprising us with something new about one of our favourite things. Raiders of the Lost Ark was, for a long time, the only proper video cassette that we had at home for our Betamax, and so I watched it at every opportunity. It continues to hold a top five place in my list of greatest movies ever made, and so it seems only right that it is the subject of my incomparable draft pick. Yeah, everything that's great is that in that episode, like John Gruber, he really made the incomparable. 
Whatever happened to that guy? Batamax. <laughs> Batamax is what Batman uses to watch videotapes. <laughs> I keep trying to, have, to get Grouper back. I tried to get him on for other Indiana Jones stuff or for uh, or for Star Wars, but you know, yeah, I got to get him back sometime. Every two hundred and so episodes, we'll get him back. That's a good one. I use that as an example of what I wanted the incomparable to be, which is something that you could go back, um, you know, three, four years later, and uh, it would still be a relevant episode because it wasn't timely. It was just, you know, that movie, it's just about the movie. So you can listen to it anytime and it's fine. It's the same. Well, I'd like to say hello to the people listening to this in 2017. Yes. Hello. <laughs> Hi, future people. Go home. <laughs> Yeah. Were we ever so young? Retrospective wankery never gets old. I'd like to say to hello to everybody who's listening to this excerpt in episode 300. <laughs> <laughs> Makes note. Skeletor! Hey, remember that time someone drafted Skeletor? Yeah. Oh, we'll get there. All right, here's listener Jeff. Hi, this is Jeff Hentos in Columbus, Ohio. In October 2012, the incomparable zone Glenn Fleischman became a Ooh, two-day Glenn. Jeopardy champ. What? And in episode 112... Schrodinger's cat box, he spent a fantastic hour and a half sharing details of the experience yes. with Jason, Andy Anatko, and Steve Lutz. Woo! The conversation is completely delightful. As he doles out lots of behind-the-scenes trivia about auditioning and cramming and Alex and the buzzer and the fruit plate and the complimentary case of a leave. Did bagels backstage. <laughs> <laughs> bagels, you say? I could go for a bagel. Glenn met a bagel once. <laughs> Oh, your cousin's your cousin's friend's girlfriend's neighbor's roommate was a bagel. John sounds like he's been hit with a pillowcase full of cotton candy. Likewise, Jason, Andy, and Steve share in the excitement of Glenn's accomplishment, and it's all really heartwarming. But it's not an all Jeopardy show. The conversation wanders around to cover all kinds of TV game and reality competition shows. There's genuine affection for classics like The Joker's Wild and obscurities like, and for the urbane panel shows of the 1950s but most especially for those showcases of drunk celebrities that marked the high point of the network morning game show in the late 1970s. Back to Jeopardy. At several points throughout, Glenn credits the boost he got in preparing from the knowledge of former Jeopardy champs, from reading Bob Harris's book Prisoner of Trebekistan and Ken Jennings' Brainiac. I submit that this episode of The Incomparable should take its place alongside those as a vital resource for anyone hoping to compete on Jeopardy. I intend to revisit 112 the next time I try out which will be my fourth attempt. You know, I met Alex Trebek at my first tryout in Cleveland in the early 90s. You have to Glenn a little when you talk about a Glenn-centric episode, right? <laughs> <laughs> so, yes, I'll be listening again while I work on controlling my involuntary blush reaction. Gag well, reflex? Thanks. Glenning. <laughs> Glenning. All right, now I'm satisfied. Glenn has groupies. The truth now is revealed. I'm completely uh, satisfied. So it's time to get vital resource put on the business cards. D- we don't have any. So does this does it turn out we don't have any female listeners to the show? Uh, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Erica, do you no want to pick a favorite comment, episode? Guys. Erica never listens to the show. She refuses. Our our, our woman listeners uh, are not interested in in doing uh, Twitter contests involving drafts. Yeah, is what we've learned. Too busy. This. I gotta say, I'm frankly impressed by the number of listeners that you got to respond to this. Yeah, I didn't yeah, know we had that nice. many. <laughs> impressed by the number of listeners, period. Is that your way of saying that this has gone on far too long already? <laughs> no, no, I'm not saying that at all. I could listen to people talk about how great we are all day. I kind of find it delightful. Well, that's good, because here's listener Matthew. <laughs> this is Matthew Yakumstall. For my pick in the draft, I choose episode 185, A Three-Edged Sword, A Discussion of Babylon 5. 
I had started Yay. listening to Incomparable at about episode 100, so after I caught up and found out there had not been an episode about Babylon 5 yet, uh, it was the topic I was looking forward to the most. Uh, when it was announced, I even made an appointment with my wife to be unavailable around <laughs> the house so I could listen to the live stream of the recording. Wow. And I wasn't disappointed. <laughs> it was a great discussion of the show and even made me laugh with character impressions and Monty Python quotes thrown in. And it has what's probably the <laughs> shortest time between the spoiler horn going off and a major spoiler about the topic being discussed. <laughs> That's why episode 185 is my pick for the best of the first 200. All right. High Hooray. five, Erica. <laughs> I don't know that Babylon 5 has ever been discussed without people quoting Monty Python. This seems yeah, like the same demographic. It could be. It could be. That was a good one. That one. So the story behind that episode is that I, I uh, that was an episode that was foretold before we even started the podcast. I said, "Oh yeah, we'll totally do a Babylon Five episode," and it took yes, one hundred and eighty-five before it finally <laughs> happened. But by waiting that long, we got not just Andy and Michael Gartenberg, but we got Erica and Chip. So it was a it was a fortuitous thing that we waited. And Steve well, was not there to talk I, about for Star one, Trek. I'm just happy that a Star Trek episode has finally been picked. <laughs> 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 all right uh here is another listener i'm not going to try to pronounce his name because i think he says it and it's french hi i'm pierre gagne and i guess oh i like God. seeing people suffer my favorite episodes <laughs> of the incomparable are episode 182 and 183 the group therapy session of star wars episode 2 the comments <laughs> and details about the film are great and made me saw it in a new, even worse light. <laughs> Listening to the despair, the pain felt, while talking and discussing the dreaded Star Wars prequel has given me entertainment, joy, and pleasure. Talking about how I love hearing the crew of the Incomparable suffer, I think I'm a Sith Lord. He's just French. That accent gives me joy, entertainment, and pleasure. Absolutely. That is a uh, Pierre Luc accent. Pierre Gagnier. Well, I gotta say, my, my kids really wanted to watch Attack of the Clones, and I kept saying, and they watched it, and then they watched it again. They've listened to the incomparable episode about it more times than they've watched the movie. Quite right, too. That is that it should be. As it should when, be. Mm-hmm. When do we have the kids uh when do we have the kids comments? Do we have kids on this episode? There are no kids on this episode. Oh, no kids were harmed I'm sorry. in the filming of this episode. I think there are laws against that. Uh, <laughs> neglected, but not armed. It ought to be a law. So, so that's twenty. That's twenty. Uh, that's twenty episodes picked already. But we're not Whoa. done. Or, oh my or wow. episodes, as some would say. Some would say episodes. I'm Nathan Gowans, and my pick for the incomparable episode draft is number eighty-five, Game Show. Introduced with the slogan Woo! "Train Wreck Coming," this episode is <laughs> great. It pitted Team, team old. old against Team Young. And of course, John Syracuse immediately complained that he wasn't on Team Old. (laughs) The episode has lots of excellent moments. Uh, One that stands out is Steve Lutz thinking that Babylon 5 was part of the Star Trek universe. (laughs) It was was a ploy. It was a ploy. Which included John revising The Godfather so that Michael did not shoot first in the Italian restaurant. (laughs) My favorite part, though, was during the Parallel Universe segment. And by the way, Lex Friedman sounds exactly like the kind of name you'd make up for a Parallel Universe (laughs) game show host. So I asked what her favorite book was, and she said it was Dog's Body by Diana Wynne-Jones. Even though Jason said that her pick was so obscure he'd give points just for being close to it, turns out I had actually just finished rereading it a few days before listening to the episode. So that was the moment I knew for sure you were all in my brain. Mm. So thank you for this one and for so many amazing episodes. 
And here's hoping for a Diana Wynn Jones episode somewhere in the next 200. Ooh. All right. Thanks, mm-hmm. listener Nathan. That's very nice. Yeah. See, there's a Star Trek double on five right there. I, I was using I was using Team Old Man recently, and some of my friends who are young said, "Why are you the Team Old Man?" And I thought, "Team Old." I is that like a, a Swamp Thing reference? If you don't but, wash out your teapot, uh, you, you can get some man. Team Old. Yeah. Mm-hmm. When Team Old Man is made, yes, he's a Swamp Thing of a teapot. Yeah. <laughs> team well, Oldman. We're just really big Gary Oldman fans. That's all. Team Oldman. They, they should be Team Oldman. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I am definitely Team Oldman. All right, good. Ooh. And Canada. <laughs> Team Oldman in Canada. That's what that <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. Ladies. All right. Michael, no ladies. Uh, listener Michael is next. Michael Tophius. Longtime listener, first time caller. <laughs> My favorite incomparable is episode 33, <laughs> I Drank What? An episode which finds our beloved panelists tackling cult classic film Real Genius. But it's actually about whether or not we should risk revisiting the favorite films of our youth with our friends. <laughs> the conversation opens with Not with John Syracuse. Between Jason, Glenn, Serenity, and Dan Morin. Then Jason says innocently enough, John Syracuse, you've been strangely silent. <laughs> and with that invitation, that well. the dream crusher of hypercritical fame it is emerges. Strange. And Syracuse really does completely take apart the film, arguing that real genius isn't for adults that it has no emotional core of truth while also complaining about the film's treatment of women and Hollywood's depiction of programming, particularly the disregard shown for the role of debugging. <laughs> but despite Syracuse's attack, he's wrong. Yes! Jason is able what? to articulate a so-called emotional core of truth and the importance of having comfort food movies. And yet Real Genius and Jason were so beaten down by John's enjoyable bravado that he and the other panelists don't even recognize that John's points missed the mark. As bonus, the episode wraps up with two early, maybe original, instances of Glenning and Jason <laughs> saying penis. He should have let it take a very that comment is the best comment. Standing so. ovation. Uh, two instances of Glenning. Who did I Glenn on? Uh, let me tell you, that is the most I've relived that episode since it aired. <laughs> <laughs> I'm still scarred from it myself. I'm frankly distressed that you said penis before I got a chance to. Well, that is a weird. Uh, that movie you is used of the of chance. <laughs> that, that, that movie is obsessed with the word penis. It's like that's the only word that they can use, and so they use it all the time. It's very strange. Very yeah, it's kind of odd. Where she, he says, uh, "What can you hammer a hammer nail through a nail board through with, board with your, your? And it's it's almost like it's been spliced in after the fact. Yeah. Penis. Yeah, Which, guys, we can say movie. penis four more times before getting a rate, uh, an R rating. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I don't really have a context. For, uh, just do it. Okay, yeah. fine. <laughs> I have to go back and find out who I glenned, if that's the first glenning. That can't be the so. first glenning. The first glenning is the name of my forthcoming fantasy trilogy. <laughs> Ironically, the second the second book in a series. You should, you should erect a little sign by the side of the road. Well, there was a point where it really started to irritate Jason, and that's where I stepped it up. And so that made the next episode. <laughs> that's a classic. That's, that's episode 133? That can't be right. No, that has to be earlier than that. 33. That might be early enough to, to qualify as early the first It seems unlikely. Here is listener David. Hey, this is David from Virginia. 
Episode 188, Game oh, Show 2, did. is my pick for one of the top incomparable episodes. Oh, Game it's Show 2. It's got everything I enjoy hey. about the podcast. You've got useless knowledge and trivia from the 1970s, <laughs> stunned reactions to panelists confusing Star Wars and Star Trek. John makes every podcast better, and in this one, he gives us a fleeting glimpse into his mind and the all-consuming <laughs> hatred of sand that lies within. <laughs> <laughs> wow, that's good. Oh, that's good. Glad to hear some love for the game show episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Warms my heart. That was a fun one. And then and then we played Trivial Pursuit. Yay! Yeah. <laughs> and then again, Monty again. won. Again, Monty won. I'd right. do it again. All right, we've reached we've reached the last pick in the incomparable uh in the first round, no, there's only one round <laughs> <laughs> of the incomparable episode draft from listeners here is pick number twenty four and final. My name is Scott Grizzle, a lifelong geek and IT project manager from Tulsa, Oklahoma. I picked episode 137, Go Wash a Droid. Following episode 136, a group therapy session on how George Lucas ruined our childhood, episode 137 delivers the movie review we all hoped for but silently wish would never come. Like others on the show, my childhood was filled with the love of Star Wars that survived the toga-wearing forest Muppets, only to be crushed in my early adulthood by the prequels. In the podcast, the off-mentioned line, Go Wash a Droid, comes from a scene in which a body double dismisses the Queen, but this could also describe how easily George Lucas dismissed everything we loved about Star Wars. Midichlorians, outrageous <laughs> retcons, uh, lady razors, and a villain with only three lines of dialogue <laughs> spelled doom for the guest on the podcast trying to sojourn through the review. Most guests said that by the time they made it through the pod race scene, their notes took a sharp turn for the worst, and their will to live grew dim. <laughs> When asked to list just one bad part of the movie, John Syracuse's response was, the entire script. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Star, Star, uh, Star Wars wins out in the, in oh, the episode draft, for sure. Star Trek didn't even make a showing. That's distressing. No. Other than Babylon 5. Guys, you got to go listen to this, the uh, Wrath of Khan episode, at least. Yeah. It's a good one. Oh, man, I like that. The next 200 episodes are entirely about Star Wars. Oh, yeah. Sorry, guys. Yeah, it's <laughs> yeah. bad news. McNulty's uh, slick business knowledge, he immediately starts up a Trek podcast. Mm-hmm. Good idea, Scott. Brilliant. <laughs> Give the people what they want. Did not do his market research. what the people want. <laughs> so I, uh, before I get, I've got uh, some uh, some things that that uh, listeners sent in uh, talking about other fa- other favorite things that they uh, underwear. Don't open the, those packages. But before, yeah. <laughs> before I do that, I have uh, two more clips to play. Um, b- Ooh, before, clips. So two more <laughs> clips that are indeed um, from listeners that they just they had to, even though these aren't part of the episode draft, they had to set them in. The first is we're going to go back to Etienne. Hi, it's listener Etienne again. In the history of the incomparable, was there a more memorable moment than when Steve Lutz drafted the patron saint of vaguely threatening recurring villains, Skeletor, <laughs> for the TV character draft in episode 58? Vaguely? It's nearly three years later, and it still stands out in my mind. It may therefore surprise listeners to learn that, memorable as that moment was, I'm not actually picking it. No. I'm in oh. fact picking Steve Lutz from the 2013 recap episode, picking himself, picking <laughs> from the 2012 recap episode, picking himself in the 2011 recap episode, drafting Skeletor in episode 58. Steve, I thought you could do with some more ammo for your recursive clip loop. It's Skeletor all the way down. <laughs> oh, bless you. This is an bless enabler. You, That's beautiful. Enabling. Bless you, South Africa ATN. You are the best. (laughs) 
Remember way back in the early part of 2013? <laughs> right around the time when we were being called all dead inside because we don't enjoy dumb candy puns in our video game movies? <laughs> yes, I do, I do remember that. I don't know if you recall this particular thing, Jason, but we did an episode an awful lot like this one. Yes, but Jan- January 1st of uh, 2013. That's right. You do remember. It's, yep. uh, it was a year in review episode for 2012. It was similar to this episode, yeah. Similar. Format. Yeah, very similar. And it was pretty good. I mean, we said some things. We had some We played laughs. some clips. Played some clips. Yeah. Uh, but one of those clips stands above all the rest. It does, really. And that is why, as one of my favorite podcast moments from 2013, I hereby pick the clip in which I picked the clip in which I picked Skeletor in our 2011 TV <laughs> fantasy draft. Do we have a clip? We do. <laughs> Let's go to the clip. <laughs> um, so as far as favorite moments from various episodes... First of all, are we going to do clips in this, uh, in sure. this episode? Sure. Right. John Syracuse then, says it's great when you drop clips in <laughs> <Yeah>. an episode. <laughs> then I'm going to pick the part in the 2011 clip show episode where we played the Skeletor <laughs> clip. <laughs> my, goal, my goal is to create a recursive yeah, a clip loop that eventually takes over the entire annual clip show podcast if we survive You've that long. You've been watching too much Star Trek, Steve. Don't send him to a cornfield. Steve, I loved, I loved it when we remembered how funny <laughs> Skeletor was from last year in this year's clip show that looked back yes. on last year. So, listener Lori liked the uh, canceled TV show draft, but she says the TV character draft made her laugh from beginning to end. So I guess my favorite moment, Steve, was the drafting of Skeletor. Yes! Listener Janice <laughs> said, I laughed so much at the character draft that my sister thought I was nuts. Well, there's a good chance You're that, welcome. Actually. Listener Chad wrote in <laughs> simply saying, Skeletor! Yes. <laughs> what else needs to be said? Really? Well, I'm going to go with one then that's uh, that's close to my heart for various reasons, and uh, I know somebody's just raring to pick him, so I better grab him now. I'm going to pick uh, pick Skeletor from the Masters of the Universe <laughs> tune series. Sorry, I did not see that coming. Uh, should, he shouldn't he be on the show with Tom Servo. Well, the beauty of Skeletor is that he can die every week and yet miraculously reappear from under the pile of rocks that he was buried under in subsequent weeks. So if Anthony tries to send Skeletor to the cornfield, what happens? He's back the next week. That's well, the tension of the show. No spoilers. No spoilers. All right. I'll wait it's for your, your premise. Eagerly. It's crucial wow. to my plot, which, uh, which uh, I, I look forward to uh, making up on the can tomorrow. All right. <laughs> yeah, that's appropriate. <laughs> it's, Skeletor is the alpha and the omega of our podcast. He sure. won that draft by killing everyone else. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Well, I'm hoping this episode actually airs in 2013 so that I can then pick... Yes. In the 2014 clip show, the 2013 <laughs> clip Tricky. of me picking the clip where we played the Skeletor clip. Good luck, future Steve. You know the the best part about that clip is uh, is is Dan's reaction. Actually, I've over the years as I hear clips of that clip, the, the part that I appreciate the most is Dan's reaction because not only does he he laugh, but then his immediate response is, "I did not see that one coming." Skeletor all the way down, he says there. ATN, incidentally, French for Steve. We have not been seen in the same room at the same time. So, Interesting. Uh, 
Interesting. So, uh, and then one, I have one last clip to play, play. It's another favorite moment from a listener. Hi, this is Ben from Somerville, Massachusetts. My favorite moment on the Incomparable podcast was from episode 200, where a listener, Etienne, picked Steve Lutz from the 2013 <laughs> recap episode, picking Steve Lutz picking from the 2012 recap episode, listeners picking Steve Lutz picking from the television character draft episode, Keep going. Skeletor. People from Somerville are automatically suspect. Oh, yeah, seriously. Wow. Uh, wow. Yeah. I'm not sure what to say to that other than that I'm going to down the rest of my beer at this point. In your honor. I, I really enjoyed this moment. Yeah. I, I feel like we we won't have really reached the pinnacle of this whole thing until someone makes a, an image chart on the internet and uploads it <laughs> right. with, with lines and like sort of like the diagram of, of primer or primer, however you want. Whatever. Like someone needs to make an image. Of it. Right now, it's it's you can hold it in your mind, but eventually, at some point, we're going to need a graphical representation. Well, get that guy that did the uh, relationships graph that 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 yeah. uh, he put together for like the first hundred and fifty episodes. Have you seen that? It's amazing. Oh yeah. We, yeah. we definitely need Stephen Fry to say it. And I'll point uh, out that Stephen Fry is following me. I have no idea why, but he well, is following me You should me on talk Twitter. to his hairdresser's sister's uncle's uh, yes, dog trainer and see yeah, him. Whatever. Yeah, no one, no one picked that episode. Whatever, DM Glenn. I met him. <laughs> I yeah, know that's true. you, bastard. <laughs> so that's all for the clips. Oh, uh, Steve, clips. You, I like those. You got, a, you, you got, a, you got a, uh, a lot of work there in your clip loop now. Um, I was I was thinking maybe some, that this year somebody else would pick that as their favorite moment. This is, <laughs> no no one wants to help you, Steve. And then, as long as it's before my pick, then I could pick that as my favorite moment because technically it's in the same year. So, <laughs> yeah. oh, dear. Uh, I, I'm gonna. I, I have a. I don't want to spoil my plan. Don't don't don't. Uh, yeah, don't spoil your uh, your moment there, John. You got. I know you got a plan. You got a diabolical plan. Uh, I don't have much of a plan as much as just spite in my heart. Uh, That's what I've got. All right. Wow. I just need an outlet. Fair enough. Um, so some other favorite moments that listeners sent in. The first battle in uh, our first D&D episode where our healer leaps <laughs> into the middle of a battle to directly co- confront the boss of the level. And then Tony rolls a series of terrible uh, dice rolls and we all die. You know what? In in the uh, computer RPG world, of which I am more a part than the tabletop gaming world, that is a solid strategy right there. You go for the guy that's like off in the distance who seems like the ringleader, and you pop him, and then maybe the game lets you get by with some discussion, you know, instead of an endless combat. So uh, again, Skeletor, and when I was weeping on the floor during human centipede all all sta- seemed to strangely come up over and over again when we sang the mystery science theater 3000 theme song that was a good one um monty's choices for the robot draft how about that wow that's specific i'll, I'll take it even though i don't remember what they were <laughs> good for you monty uh, that's all that matters <laughs> someone said my name hooray validation yeah, that's right. Also, you won a Trivial Pursuit. You know, will never let us forget yeah. it. Um, the episode where Scott McNulty describes sitting on a subway train as a teenager reading a copy of Mein Kampf and realizing he is not projecting an ideal image of himself. <laughs> nice. I don't know why you would think that. How is an accurate image of himself not an ideal one? I, I don't understand. Scott McNulty is here with a slight Hitler-related correction. I was not reading Mein Kampf. I was reading a book called Hitler, 
that sported a giant red swastika on the cover. Uh, and this book was like 1,200 pages, so it was not uh, an easy book to hide. Uh, mein Kampf, much shorter, much easier to hide. Um, listener Bob <laughs> loved when Dan recommended Spaced for the first time because he had never heard of it, and it became one of his all-time favorites. I have been angered recently because I went to Netflix to watch Spaced, and it is gone from what? Netflix uh, streaming. I'll ship you. I'll ship you some rips, Steve. <laughs> I got you covered. I think I watched the first Piracy? two episodes last time I tried to get through it all, and uh, and that's as far as I got because something else came up, and then I went back just recently, thinking, oh, I've got to hit up and watch the rest of Spaced. So oh, I I got a hookup for you, Steve. We'll work it out. All right, all right. We'll uh, we'll talk later, Dan, on the back channel. <laughs> Come to my butter zone. We'll talk. <laughs> I, I knew that was coming. Do not go to his butter zone. Uh, I, I should have, but it's still delightful. <laughs> the butter zone is located in the back channel. Yes. Uh, you've seen Last Tango in Paris, right? <laughs> oh, Jesus. Uh, let's see. Steve Letts' revelation that he was featured in Skin Flint, a country Christmas carol uh, rated. Yeah. Um, John Syracuse's rant on fart jokes and their use in episode one in the after dark. <laughs> titled a thing that farted because that's naturally that's a level of 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 humor there um erica i'm sorry to say us tormenting you by singing feliz navidad made the list (laughs) great what did i say about cruel listeners yeah say it again feliz navidad prospero año y felicidad are we listening to a clip i am so in the spirit right now you have no idea Let's see. Uh, one of my favorite moments, actually, uh, our, our Australian friend Dave also met, recommended, which is when John declares exactly the moment in Empire Strikes Back where b- between which scenes Han and Leia have obviously had sex. Um, <laughs> I've seen that movie so many times, and I can never, ever, ever see it the same ever, ever again after that. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas. I want to wish you a Merry Christmas from the bottom. Come on, everybody. No? Nope, it's no. not Christmas. <laughs> Come on, it's Christmas in June. So here, here's the um, the recurring elements that people send in for their favorite recurring elements and or panelists. You know, John Syracuse, Steve Lutz, uh, but but more the recurring elements like Lex hasn't seen it. Uh, the spoiler horn. We got a nice shout out from somebody who liked that we have a lot of regular regular women panelists, although not drafters in this episode, uh, <laughs> because women are under underrepresented in the nerd community. So thank you for for that. Yay, Erica! Of course, Serenity, Lisa, not here tonight, so you get to just I'm, I'm carrying car- the car- <laughs> carry the carry the flag Represent. for this episode. Uh, uh, Glen- okay. Glenning, uh, Edith Dudes. Snell got a vote. That's sweet. Th- Thanks, Steve. Uh, <laughs> Scott saying hello, which he, you know, he just doesn't say that that much anymore. I miss that one. Uh, opening statements by John Syracuse. <laughs> uh, the addition of Erica Ensign to the panel. It got rated Aww. on somebody's list. Isn't that nice? Excellent. Oh, my goodness. All right. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, somebody, uh, listener Don actually wrote a little like mini uh, essay about how he likes the spoiler horn, but also likes the fact that other people now talk about the spoiler horn, like it's creeping into other podcasts where people are trying to say. Although then Tiffany Armand on on Accidental Tech Podcast said, "Is can we ring the spoiler bell?" <laughs> no, oh, no. <laughs> I corrected her, but she kept saying spoiler bell. So now I think like the spoiler bell is like it is like the Muppet Babies episode of uh, of the spoiler horn. Yeah. It's like the, the, 
the small sidekick. Bing, little, bing. The little tiny spoiler bell. Ah, uh, let's see. Uh, I don't know what else. The musical stylings of Steve Lutz. Who, me? Yeah. No. Although, although they... No, the other Steve Lutz. <laughs> <laughs> they, they, they like... The, yeah, they like sucks. the Comic Con song, and they and they wish you would t- truly do a song for Kachka for the uh, for the for the D and D episodes that you can eulogize uh, Dan's characters that have died. I considered doing one uh, when the campaign ended, and I thought I'd give myself vocal modules trying to do a three minute song in that voice. So uh, I opted out. Maybe someday. Maybe someday. All right. Uh, somebody said that they enjoyed Jason and Scott having to read the Mira Grant novel of the year. <laughs> Again, cruel, as we said cruel. before. Cruel, cruel, cruel people. But when we pick a panelist to execute, the readers are going to get to vote, right? <laughs> that's, that's how we do it. Because that seems like it would be really popular at this point. Really popular. Sure. All right. And then and then here's a good one that I wanted to read, which is every listener's favorite home game. Just how does Jason know all of these people? <laughs> <laughs> it's like Lenning. Oh, it's like how, how do you connect the dots about how how you how I know? The I dialed the wrong the number on Skype. We need another graphical representation. No graph of that yet. Dude has connections. Yeah. That's all you need to know. There you go. The stranger the person is, the earlier Jason knew them in his life. That's Agreed. the rule of thumb. Agreed. Interesting. Oh. Clearly, you don't know me very well. Uh. <laughs> I'm trying to think who on this podcast I've known the longest, and it's probably Greg. Slightly over Steve, uh, slightly yeah. over Monty, and then Phil Michaels would be in so, there somewhere so too. Pretty accurate, then, John. Nice work. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it breaks down with Erica and David. <laughs> yeah, right in the middle. Well, so I played the clips. I got I got a bunch of favorites out there. I don't know if there's anything that you guys would like to talk about or say on this occasion before we uh, before we put the the sec- the 200th episode to bed. But I have something to say. If you would like to make a, a, a it's not an, <laughs> an opening, opening statement, statement really. Statement? If you'd like to make a statement, you may you may do so now. I think uh, thank you for shepherding this thing through, coming up with the idea and wrangling all us cats for this period of time and making it happen for years and years. Thanks, Jason. Thank you, Glenn. Yeah, what Glenn said. <laughs> I don't know what Glenn said. The Skype connections are so terrible, but it sounded <laughs> it was very it, nice. It, it, was it sounded it very was nice. Uninterrupted series of swearing ending. Thank you. He said blank you, Jason. And I, I kind of missed the first word, but I'm I'm pretty sure I know what it was. Yeah. <laughs> I think the podcast has been getting better and better. I mean, when I I listen more than participate now just because i've been totally outpaced well, i'm still um, on the show greg have you noticed that i used to listen along and think yeah I, I would i would agree with that or i would like to say that or, you know it, it's it's when you're when you're listening and you have something to say and then the next panelist to speak says it you think okay i'm in sync with this podcast but lately the podcast everybody has been so insightful and so funny and so interesting that uh, I, I just don't rank anymore <laughs> honestly it's my favorite podcast by a mile. And if I had any friends, I would want them to be like you guys. I gave each of you a hug. <laughs> so I would like to just say what, uh, what some of the listeners have already, already mentioned, which is that uh, the thing I appreciate about the show is discussing things with people who have enthusiasm about topics. Uh, it seems like most of the people I encounter on any given day are in the process of like the Bataan Death March. They just seem horrified with life and distressed about everything. I, I will say, uh, Jason, that uh, that the the thing that the engine that makes this show go is your superb abilities at hosting, keeping a show going, keeping the cats herded, as Glenn said. And uh, 
I I'm just always very impressed with both your hosting abilities and your um, and your editing abilities also because you make um, you know a tangled spaghetti awful mess <laughs> into something listenable and so applause for you sir thank you and uh, um, also I appreciate the opportunity to drink beer on a Wednesday night <laughs> mostly mostly the last one yeah sure I, I got a comment from somebody that they listened to an early episode and it uh and they thought that we had gotten a lot better. And I thought on one level, it's like, wow, are you saying that we used to be terrible? On another level, it's like, well, you know, you got to learn. And, and after 200 of these, you better be better at it than you were four years ago, right? <laughs> I don't think we've gotten any better. But everybody's better. You're no better, Everybody Steve. Everybody who participates better. <laughs> Thank you, Jason. Editing is better. And the infrastructure is better. It just the whole kit and caboodle. <laughs> I, I just want to say that I love each and, and every one of you. <laughs> what? <laughs> It sounds kind of funer- funereal now that I think about it. <laughs> do you have? Do you want to ask for forgiveness of anyone, it's been, Dan? It's been I, great I just want to say you. that I hope we all survive to discuss episode three before. <laughs> yeah. Before untoward things happen. You 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 want to discuss episode three? I feel that I need that closure now. I'm in. Wow. To close that chapter on our life that we thought was already closed, but apparently not. <laughs> it weighs upon me. Is all I'm saying. All right. The scab is still weeping. He wants to rip it completely off. Yeah, make a clean break. Right. Cauterize the wound. And I can finally, I can finally be done. Mm-hmm. Well, you're work. not quite done because the Star Wars holiday special is still on the horizon. However. <laughs> <sighs> Butter zone. Scott's been awfully quiet tonight. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uncharacteristically quiet. Scott's been here all along. He just has nothing to say. Oh, I just thought of a, a, another favorite moment that I hadn't mentioned on any previous shows, but I, I keep going back to I like the idea of the cat pooping. <laughs> each episode. I just, I just like, I like the visual of that process. I like it as kind of like a, a, not... a tea ceremony kind of preparation for the show. I like the, I like the idea it's in the of Steve it's stewing, stewing in the smell for the entire episode. Like I just like to think of him over there. Just and what is he smelling now? He's smelling cat crap, and it's it's fitting. <laughs> I'd like to know exactly how that's fitting, but, uh, you know. Steve's cat's cat box is in the room where Steve does the podcast, and <laughs> generally is there is a small me, yes. ceremony before the episode begins where the cat comes in and leaves a dump in the I box. Was, and it's leaves. sort of like saying grace. It's sort of the blessing before the podcast. Yeah. And then, and then he's just marinating in it the whole show. <laughs> <laughs> it explains, explains so much. <laughs> Our appetizer before a big meal. Oh. Yeah. yeah, yeah. We need a kitty litter sponsor. That's what we need. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, you know, next time you're in San Diego, John, drop by. I'm sure my cat will make a little something for you. <laughs> <laughs> Just right, be- right before I get there. Yep, that's right. Something to take home. It's uncanny, really. I mean, he has a sense about when things are going to be podcasted. Well, I feel like this episode has wrapped up exactly as episode one began with with a discussion of cat boxes. We've come full circle. Yeah, come full circle. Back into the cat box. It doesn't make any sense. So I think our time together has reached an end. For now. We had this time together. Keep on singing. I will stay as long as you want to sing, Steve. I don't know how the rest of it goes. I think that's the whole song. Okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right. So so anybody up for a game of Trivial Pursuit? (laughs) Yes, right now. (laughs) Here, here. Uh, I brought the whole game. 
Let's go. Yeah, get the right. box out, man. We're going. We're going right now. All right, right Trivial now. Pursuit Part 2. <laughs> Throw down. I'm going to weave Eubanks the hell out of Monty right now. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Not my butter zone. <laughs> <laughs> wow. I demand the assist for that one. So let's, let's, start, the, so let's start the Trivial Pursuit <laughs> game now. Let's <laughs> Genus. Maybe next time you play, I'll play because I'm not good at trivia pursuit, but I think I might be good at psyching out Monty. I think you say you think it might be better Clearly than none us. of us are good at trivial pursuit. John, if there's one thing you should have learned from the episode, it's that none of us are good at trivial pursuit. Except oh, I for didn't Monty. To the episode, you think I'm crazy? <laughs> yeah, no, I do a little bit, but besides that, it was, no, very it was long. not. It was not put in the incomparable can- canonical episodes, right, Jason? It's, it's an TPK. after dark. It's and an FTK. TPK. TPK. Yeah. <laughs> yeah if you had put it in the actual feed, I would have felt compelled to listen to it. Are you saying you're not keeping track of the canon of the incomparable? You're not a completist? Oh, I am. Like, I, There's certain incomparables that I haven't listened to because I, I still haven't seen Iron Man 3, so I haven't se- listened to the Iron Man 3 episode. There's a lot of book episodes that I have saved because I haven't read the books and I think I might. What, and you've never played Trivial Pursuit, so you're trying not to spoil it for yourself? Yeah, right. I don't. Tell me what happens when all the wedges are filled in. Does it just make a pie and does it change into a different shape? Oh, the pink pie is my favorite. Sports and leisure? Which is it? All right, so wrapping up episode 200, I want to thank my guests. In order of their uh, number of appearances on The Incomparable, Dan Morin, you are number one. Thank you for being on like 125 plus episodes. Over I, I strive to bring a consistent level of mediocrity to this group. <laughs> well, you know, quality is job one. And I don't know what that I has to do that with job. anything. I skipped yeah. that job. All right. Uh, number two is Scott McNulty, who couldn't be here because he's under the weather. But we're, we salute him. I'm joined now by Scott McNulty, who sadly was sick and couldn't make our uh, segment two of our fantastic extravaganza. Hello, Scott. Hello. So do you have anything particular that you wanted to talk about or say on this occasion of the 200th episode of The Incomparable? No, nothing. John Syracusa, you are number three on the list. Thank you for being here. Yeah, you know, I've been podcasting for a while, but I just realized this is the podcast that I have been on the longest. Yes. Wow. Less than 50% of the episodes. Uh, Serenity Caldwell is number four. She is not here either, oh. but we miss her, and she is number four. Number one in our hearts, number four on the list of incomparable panelists sorted by number of appearances. It's kind of wordy, but that's the I'm not a number, I'm a free man. Yes. Uh, then there's then there's Glenn. Thank you for being here through many episodes all the way back to episode number one. My pledge is I will be in more episodes in the coming year, but it may also be a threat. And then Steve I, I think actually Steve, I think you went ahead of Glenn I because have totally Glenn is never ahead on. Of Glenn. Come on, man. Yeah, you're ahead of Glenn. So you, you're number five. Glenn is Glenn's got a suck at number six. So, so now, thanks, Steve. Now Glenn talks about how he sort of knows me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Steving. <laughs> Let's think. Jason, it's been my pleasure to be on this podcast in spite of the fact that I'm terrible at it. So uh, thank yep. you so much for oh, you're uh, welcome. your act of charity. <laughs> <laughs> you're, you're very welcome. Uh, Lisa Schmeiser, who is not here, is uh, is number seven. We skipped right over Glenn there. Eat it, Glenn. <laughs> Wherever you are, Glenn, eat it. Uh, David Lore, you're number eight. I I thank you for years of listening. I thank you for your, the last year of talking, and I can only aspire to more in like mediocrity. Mm. <laughs> and uh, thanks for those uh, thanks for those uh, radio drama episodes. Those were a lot of fun for all of hey, us. We should do that again anytime. sometime. Let's do that again sometime. Yeah, it's a good idea. Yeah. Um, next on the list, right down from there, Monty Ashley. Monty, thank you so much for being here. Thank you. 
and for doing all those other TV podcasts, which don't even count and would shoot you right past David Lore. They don't otherwise. add to my stats. No, they that don't. That does it. No more Game of Thrones podcasts for practically right. a whole year. I'm out. You were, you were just doing it to pad your incomparable numbers. Now the truth comes out. Uh, and then Greg Noss. Greg, thank you for being here and for running the website, too, which is very helpful. I think it's very important to note that I'm in the first standard deviation. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think of you as a standard deviation, so that works out perfectly. <laughs> I'm an exceptional deviation. Okay, glad to hear it. Good comeback. <laughs> and then Erica Ensign bringing up the rear, but actually by percentages, since you have started being on the show, you've been in a whole lot of episodes. So, you know, yeah, it's only a matter so. of time. Yeah, I was I was looking at the list today and I realized it was 40 ago. So that's yeah. that's more, more weeks than I thought that yeah. I'd be doing this. It seems wow. like forever. Yeah, but but in a good way. In a, in a oh, good, good way. Thank good. you. Thank you so much for for cyber stalking me and yeah. inviting me on your podcast. You're very welcome. Mm. <laughs> Can we thank you, Jason, for being in practically all of the episodes? <laughs> I don't know how many episodes I've been in. I think it's like 197 or something. Anyway, thanks to everybody out there for listening to these many 200 episodes, or at least the ones that were on topics that interest you. What is wrong with you people? Because uh, uh, we really appreciate it, whether you uh, were one of the people in our draft today or you're just a, a quiet, happy listener. Uh, we appreciate you being out there. Uh, it's great to have uh, the listeners that we do. Uh, we love having you, and um, back, we're very lucky closed, to have you. Silent, lights off, pants off. Enjoy, just kind of let the all flow over you. <laughs> Butter zone, butter up. <laughs> and on that note, as the podcast careens off the rails, <laughs> implying that it was ever on the rails to begin with, I mean, it's just getting good. We say goodbye. In honor of the greatest episode of The Incomparable Ever, which was the one... Most recent one is always the greatest. ...where yes. uh, Steve Lutz and Greg Noss and I sat at the Stone Brewing Company in Escondido, California... Yeah, that was ...and talked great. about kind of nothing, but we took a lady's picture for her in the middle of the episode. And I think we perfected what? the glass clinking sound. What and kind of euphemism is that, anyway? And we and we had uh, a, a listener. We had listener uh, attorney Jake Bell visit us then. That's right. Sadly missing from... So, However, so we are at a yet another stone brewing establishment, this time in down, more downtown-ish San Diego. Uh, more or less, Liberty Station. Liberty Station. And uh, what has are, become something of a tradition for us. I, we, so we I am joined the check next week. I am joined by David Lohr and Steve Lutz and very special guest, listener Neil Posner. Hi, hi, Neil. Listener Neil. Hello, everyone. You may know Neil from earlier in this episode <laughs> when he coined the phrase... Butter zone. Yes. Or at least, can you explain a little bit about where that phrase came from? You said you didn't really invent it yourself. It's, it's been passed on by word of mouth. Yeah, I picked it up from so a friend of mine. We used to work together um, at uh, at Wildstorm Productions, which is a comic book studio here. And in, wait, uh, Wildcore Productions? Wildstorm Productions. Wild what production? Wildstorm. Uh, Wildstorm it, Productions. It's a, it was okay. a comic book studio. It got bought by DC Comics. Yeah, uh, yeah, 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 right. Nice. Wildstorm. And uh, I have no he, idea. he used that phrase. And I just kind of picked it up. Um, so it may be from Utah. Yeah, he grew up in Utah, and uh, yeah. and lots of and, butter in Utah. I guess big There's butter not, state. It's not much else. The beehive state. The beehive and butter state. They say <laughs> and, and short for that because it was a bit of a mouthful. <laughs> so. 
we we have completely accidentally decided to record the final segment of episode 200 with yes. who I am declaring the champion of episode 200, which is Neil. Oh champion of for, the episode. For, uh, I didn't even know well, it was a competition, but it turns out Neil won it anyway. I like and, champion of the episode. I think that should become a regular thing. <laughs> Every episode needs a champion. Well, it be people who are on the episode or it's the champion like comment. Or just some random person. That All right. Yeah, it's just, you know. To be the champion of the Excellent. episode. It's like the game ball, you know. But, but certainly, Everybody gets one at some point. <laughs> certainly the emperor of the butter zone, I think. We, we, yes? Do emperor you, of the butter zone. Really really we accept that title. Yeah, I, I will accept emperor of the butter zone. There's a scepter that goes along with that. Yeah. That we'll be presenting. Unfortunately, you have to keep it in the freezer. So it will melt. Headdress. It's awfully soft. Oh, there's a special compartment for the butter zone scepter. Yeah. It is. We Our theory in the episode, which people will have just listened to, it was that the butter zone is specifically the place where you put your eggs and butter in your refrigerator. Right. I think that was one interpretation. Yes. A small plane has gone over us, by the way. That's amazing. I wonder if that'll happen again. I don't know. Anyway, we've had beer, and we're really trying to recreate that classic Comic-Con episode. Yes, yes. Yes. Sadly, without Greg Noss here, it's... Uh, we, we have entirely too much tolerance for beer. Yes, that's, that's the problem. Uh, yeah. yeah. You give that, that man a thimble of, uh, of Miller Lite <laughs> and, and he, he is would high as a over. kite. Yes. Yeah. It's true. More beer is coming, so... Yeah. Although episode, More beer is coming. <laughs> episode More. 200, he claimed to have drunk an entire beer before the episode. <laughs> so he said, but I, I find that highly in, doubtful. in honor of that Comic-Con episode, I don't know. And, and I, I would like to point out that... Stone Brewing here has a beer called the Witty Moron. That is correct. Which is which sort of the official it's brewery of the incomparable. That's right. That's so so Witty we're, Moron. We're about to get our second Witty Morons. Witty Morons. Yep. And, yeah. uh, and Smoked Porters. And Smoked Porters. <laughs> that works you know, too. We got, we got to talk diversity before yeah. we get one of those. All right. <laughs> Someday. Do we have anything to say, or is this a completely when do we ever have anything appendage to, say? to episode 200? <laughs> yeah, no, this whole thing has been an appendage from the start. I think. Hey, let's talk Star Trek. No. No. Come on. Star, Trek, Star Trek was. <laughs> okay, the seven year old audience member. I did see on the beer list Star they Trek. had a. What I took to be a Star Trek reference. Yes, actually, oh. the Stone Stochastity Project Quadro Triticale. Well, what do you know? A Belgian style quadruple ale brewed with Triticale grain. Wow. Uh, you know, if unfortunately, I it's that? off the menu right now because of a tragic. Station, ladies and gentlemen, directly in the flight path for San Diego Lindbergh International <laughs> Airport. Tragic mistake at Sherman's Planet where Tribbles ate the grain supply. Ah, <laughs> uh, yes. It's unfortunate. I, I gotta say, nothing Excellent. goes with your beer drinking quite like a flight path. It's, yeah, no, the flight path is really to add It sort of sobers you up real fast well, so you can have like more. a reset button. Everybody's yeah. yapping and talking like in their distinct streams and then the plane flies over and everybody just stops and then it starts from a completely new point. Yeah. So that, I, after like two or three beers, you've forgotten by the time the plane has gone by what it was you were yapping on about. I like yeah. this conversation as a representative sample of the incomparable for a few reasons. One is because listeners tell us that they feel the podcast is like a group of friends sitting around a table talking to each other. Mm. As the beer arrives, by the way. Whoopee. Good timing. And, uh, and, and that is literally what we're doing right now. 
I also like it because it it sh- suggests the ramshackle, uh, unplanned insanity <laughs> that also characterizes us from yes. time to time. That is correct. And you know, most it's been people, known to happen. Most people would say, "Do not create entire episodes of a podcast where all you do is sit around and drink beer." Why would they say that? Why would we do that? Why would Why would anybody say that? That's the best possible. All right. So what, I, so what I'm saying Noise. is. Oh, oh to, Glenn, to Glenn's health. To Glenn's health. Cheers. He's a handsome man, that Glenn. He is. Oh, Glenn. Glenn, the ladies love Glenn. Virtual clink. <laughs> the ladies are... Glenn is catnip to the ladies. Lady key, yeah. They, they love a man who talks. Glenn, Glenn catnip. No, Glenn's... And, uh, I, I kind of see Steve love innuendo. They love a man who Glenn's, Glenn knew their mailman. <laughs> I, I see... <laughs> That's, I, a, that's high on the list of things that women... It, it, the Cosmo quizzes, there's always a thing. Yeah. <laughs> do, you know, do, are you aware five, of a... Uh, tender lover. Uh, no, Glenn knows my mailman. <laughs> Glenn knows like my grand, two or the grandfather of Peter the Great's mailman. <laughs> I, I I'm glad see... this year that Glenn is not in the hospital or recently removed from the hospital Indeed, as yes. we're recording yes. this. He has a heart stint. Good job, And Glenn's now heart. has the strength of 90 men. <laughs> I, I kind of see Glenn Catnip and Steve Innuendo as cops. I, that, I would Glenn that. Catnip? What is that? That I don't know, you but just it's disturbing. Said it, I think. Catnip to the ladies. Yeah, he's catnip oh, to the ladies. Glenn Catnip. Glenn Catnip. So Glenn catnip. I, wasn't Steve Innuendo. Steve Innuendo. Yes. I, yes. I anyway, nowhere, I have no no idea where to anyway, go. Anyway, listener Neil is the <laughs> champion of this episode for oh. in, for for spreading the word of the concept of the butter zones <laughs> to us. The butter zone began here in San Diego. Yeah, possibly. Well, Utah. technically it began in Utah, but we don't speak of Utah. We don't know what happened back then. Yeah. That's the lost in the mist of time, Steve. I'm sure now, it was something extremely clean. Now, episode now 300. Episode 300 will be like an American Let's Ninja Warrior Championship. Yeah. So just prepare. You have 100 episodes okay. to get there. I will start training tomorrow. Okay. I okay. think it is... Um, get get lots of butter. Maybe some margarine just in case. No margarine. Okay. 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 No, no margarine okay. in the butter zone. Okay. I think it is important that we begin our planning for episode 300 now. Yes. Well, we're going to take Sparta, right? What's that? We're going to take Sparta. Right. Yeah? Sure. 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 300. First the butter zone, and then you take Sparta. That's that's how Brando did it. That's about right. Zack Snyder would really get behind the concept of the butter zone. (laughs) So to speak. (laughs) So to speak. Slow motion, there would be dripping. Yeah. You know. Lots of skyscrapers would fall. No one would care. Mm-hmm. That's right. All right. Well, I feel as if we've really learned something and grown today. I'm not sure what we learned. I'm not sure how we grew, but I'm sure it happened. I haven't learned somewhere. anything in at least 20 years. So All right. I, I, you speak for yourself on that. I'm looking forward to Man of Rosensteel. I think that'll be a much more entertaining uh, film. Man of Rosensteel. That is totally a made-up name. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, what we're saying is, on behalf of everybody who does this ridiculous podcast... We would like to thank you for being with us over these last 200 episodes. You weird, weird And a plane sad. is coming. <laughs> plane is coming. Oh, that one directly everything. overhead. That's, oh, that was not so bad. That one is, that one is apparently They almost ruined course. my heartfelt thank you. Thank you. Wow. That one is on its way to Malaysia or it's it was. Legit. A, a rich guy just went past. And, yeah. uh, that could that, be Zack Snyder for all we know. And I would, well, I would like to say to all the listeners, cheers. Cheers. Oh, the clink. I'm going to make my own clink, and that's totally a cheat. <laughs> right, you guys drink there. There you go. That's some mad... That's yours, Dad. That's some clinkage. Okay. <laughs> so thank you, listeners. 
You're represented at this table right now by Lister Neil. We're sorry we didn't buy you beer. Your proxy. But Neil will be your proxy because he and you are, he is in the butter zone and you were not. That's basically what we're saying. <laughs> That's right. And with to, that, to be fair, when you when you originate the butter zone, it's you know it's not that impressive when you're in the butter zone. You get the upper hand is what you get yes. when you're in the so butter zone. So to speak. So, on behalf of everybody who does the incomparable, and th- thank you to all the listeners out there who have listened to this ridiculous thing. Mm-hmm. We appreciate you. We thank you for listening to the end of this ridiculously long episode. Yes. And next week we'll be back with something that is actually reasonable and not ridiculous. Okay. Start to likely I take story. that back. Somewhat reasonable and a regular episode, and we will go from there. So thank you so much. It's been a great ride uh, for the last four years, and here's to the next four. Cheers again! Yay! Cheers! Opa! Thanks, everybody. Thanks for not tuning us out. You can tune us out now. Yeah, go ahead. <laughs>